Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to a, uh, another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily, a packed show coming up before the Jets take on the Buffalo Sabres. And we've got lots to get to. Cannot wait to welcome in for the first time in our new home, our good friend Trevor Kidd. And Murata Tesh is going to pop on as well. Murata's got an interesting piece on uh, the Winnipeg Jets, breaking down the Winnipeg depth chart. We'll talk about the strengths, challenges, upcoming cap concerns from his latest piece in The Athletic, as well as talk about the Jets going into Buffalo and Toronto without Kyle Connor, who finally, after being maliciously jinxed by Jay Bell in the Winnipeg Free Press as the lone member of the Winnipeg Jets that hadn't got COVID yet. Uh, almost like clockwork, he's out tonight along with Nate Schmidt. So we'll get to all of that coming up. And later on in the program, haven't had Feinberg on in a while. Tiger Woods was at Augusta yesterday. Is Tiger going to play in the Masters? And how the heck did Scotty Scheffler become the number one golfer in the world? We'll touch on that. And I'm sure a little off-season NFL scuttlebutt with one of our favorites, Jeff Feinberg, coming up a little bit later on. Hey, right off the bat, do want to thank all the sponsors that make Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily happen each and every day here on YouTube. And, of course, for you podcast listeners, including F Apparel, Vita Health, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Not Auto Corp, Princess Auto, Little Brown Jug, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Canadian Club Whiskey, and of course our betting partners over at Cool Bet Canada. And speaking of Cool Bet, uh, shout out to our friend Andrew Collier, who's getting ready for Gold Eye season. Uh, I did get a question today from a couple people about what happens if you were on Cool Bet and you bet Kyle Connor to score a goal tonight or had him in your bet builder. If that's the case, those bets are void. They'll be canceled. Your money will be returned to you so uh, you can make a different wager for tonight's game. All that being said, Trevor Kidd, Murata Test, Jeff Feinberg, we are packed. Welcome to everyone listening and with us live on YouTube. And now let's welcome in Michael Remus to the program. Remo, how are you hanging in there? Yeah, I'm doing all right. I'm making making through it. So I'm going to be honest, when Kyle Connor was held out um, from practice, I know that he had been in Winnipeg and seemingly everyone in Winnipeg is going to, in protocol. I, I wasn't surprised to, to hear that, but you know, I put out this beautiful graphic on our social media yesterday on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, say, you know, Kyle Connors have 41 goals. I mean, you think he can get 50 in the last 15 games and the next day uh, he messes, as you said, with Jason Bell had the article in the free press, how he's the only player in the Jets to not be in protocol. And uh, the there's title, the news today. The title of the article, Connor, lone jet to dodge COVID-19. Maybe virus is allergic to goals. Winger has 40 so far. There's <laughs> <laughs> not 41. Um, and then Adam Lowry, like the, the fourth paragraph in the, in the article. Let's not jinx him, said Adam Lowry after the morning oh skate. We just God. hope everyone stays healthy. Didn't even make it into another game since the article. So uh, let me pull this Ma up. Mike, Mike, Mike did a great job of uh, of giving it to Jay on Twitter, saying that uh, Jay is the guy who talks about shutouts and no hitters when they are in progress. <laughs> a little bit of fun back and forth between the Freep guys. There it is, the proverbial kiss of death. Yeah, thanks in the a lot. Freep to, uh, to to Kyle Connor, who is going to be out and. Listen, we're going to hear from Dave Lowry in a second, but um, 
make no mistake about it. I mean, that's a big, big loss. I mean, I think the Jets, you know, certainly with, when we'll talk about the blue line. I think there'll be some people that like the way the blue line's looking, um, you know, tonight with both Stanley and Hanela in and not playing together. Uh, but man, Remo, the loss of Kyle Connor up, you know, changes everything. Now it does look like they're going to go with Stastny, Shifley and Ehlers, stick that group together, maintain Dubois and Wheeler will now have Evgeny Sveshnikov on the wing. Uh, Mason, uh, Mason Appleton and Zach Sanford on the wings with Adam Lowry in the middle. No surprise. And Adam Brooks comes into the lineup with Connor on the list. He will be skating with Dominic Toninato and Jansen Harkins. What's interesting is the blue line with Schmitz in availability. Morrissey DeMello together. Billy Hanel is going to get a chance to play with Neil Pionk. Uh, and and um, Brandon Dillon will be playing along with Logan Stanley. And I'll tell you what, Remo, and this kind of reminds me of that game in uh, St. Louis that I think we were talking about yesterday on the program, um, you know, which might have been Billy Hanel's best game of the season, playing along with you know, Neil Pionk. And um, he's going to need to be good today. Uh, the Buffalo Sabres are not the joke team that I think a lot of people um, think of them as. They've been playing really well lately. They've been winning a bunch of games. They just came back from a 4 nothing deficit in their last game against the Chicago Blackhawks. So uh, this is no gimme, far from it for the Winnipeg Jets. And oh, by the way, the elusive third win ream still waiting for the Winnipeg Jets to close the door on for the first time since the beginning of the calendar year in January. A lot on the line tonight for the Winnipeg Jets, and a lot of guys are going to need to step up without their number one leading scorer, Kyle Connor, in the lineup. Yeah, this is disappointing. I mean, for the Jets' playoff chances, missing Kyle Connor and Nate Schmidt, Kyle Connor going for 50 goals. I'll now have to get nine in 12. Um, I mean, just pretty uh, pretty rough news. And it's almost like if they would have stayed in Canada, they would have and not gone to Buffalo. But, I mean, how could you know? Like, too bad they didn't test positive um, before they traveled. But here we are in Buffalo. They'll be missing the next three games. Connor Schmidt. But it does open up some opportunity, um, mainly for Billy Hanela now. Has, I mean, there was some opportunity earlier this year with a number of you know guys on the list and injured. But it was uh, who Dylan Sandberg and Declan Chisholm and Johnny Kovacevic getting in. Now, Hanela, he it's his turn, and he'll get a chance here with Neil Pionk on the second pair. Interested in this Logan Stanley, Brendan Dillon third pairing, how they're going to look. I mean, that's two guys, big, physical. Um, look, I'm not going to say, I mean, obviously it sucks that Connor is out, but I'm not going to be like, oh, the Jets have no chance of uh, winning any of these games here. So. We'll have to wait and see uh, how how this goes, but uh, definitely a huge blow and um, disappointing timing. That's for sure. Yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what Billy can do playing with Neil Pionk. I imagine they'll play some significant minutes, and you know this will be as good. Of, I mean, if we're listen, we've spent a lot of time, you know, discussing the pros and cons of Logan Stanley and Billy Hanela. Um, they're both going to play some significant minutes tonight, and it'll be interesting to see how both of them fare going forward. But of course, the big story is the loss of Kyle Connor up front. 40-plus goals out of the lineup going into a very, very important couple of games in Buffalo and Toronto. And uh, yes, another one bites to the dust and ends up on the list. Hey, listen, we'll hear from Dave Lowry in just a second, and <clears throat> we'll get into all of this with Murat and with Trevor Kidd coming up in our next couple of guest segments. Remo, I did want to mention, and I tweeted this out last night, a great time was had by yours truly and many others that were down at the Moose game last night. 
First off, shout out to the Moose. Did a great job. The game production so fun. There was tons of people and tons of kids there for the spring break staycation game. Uh, I did tweet this out, but check out this beauty bucket hat that they gave out. Oh, that's a nice Enderbell. I like that. Exactly. I've already I've already called my shot. This is going to be my fishing hat for Aikens Lake this summer. Hopefully sink a few birdies with it uh, at Breezy Bend at some point. Um, but as much as the bucket hat was nice and everyone got one, story of the game for me was my first chance to see live and in person Morgan Barron. And um, you know, we'll talk in a second about what, what Andrew Kopp is doing for the New York Rangers. Um, you know, I think Kevin Chevaldeoff was able to extract a pretty good return. Um, and that's a good thing because Cop, well, we got a DM from somebody. Cop led the Rangers in ice time last night. I believe has like five points in his first four games. So he's looking really good. But I'm going to tell you right now, I think we're going to be hearing and talking a lot about Morgan Barron in the future. This young man, 6'4", uh, a big, big player with some pretty good wheels, took the puck hard to the net, scored the tying goal when the Moose were down with less than five minutes left in the game. Um, very, very impressive debut in front of the home fans. And uh, tell you what, never mind what comes with the picks. This is a guy that I think certainly projects to challenge for a spot in the uh, Winnipeg Jets roster in top 12 next season. Yeah, it's pretty uh, pretty awesome. Uh, they were able to take that in. I, you posted the picture on on Twitter, Hassan. I posted on our Instagram and uh, Facebook. A lot of people commenting on how great you looked in the hat, including uh, Gary Lawless, who thought you looked awesome <laughs> in the hat-sunglasses combo. So, uh, I mean, yeah, great game for the Moose. Yesterday you said, I watched that highlight of Morgan Barron. It looked like he just walked through the whole team down the middle and, and dangled. And, you know, him and Jeff Malott went to uh, Cornell together. So you have th that relationship, the bond that they developed together in college. And What's I that called again? That's uh, the uh, the shower, the shower narrative. Shower narrative. Is that an Avon Leviton trademarked, yeah, uh, trademarked narrative? You sent me yesterday. I laughed. I, I had heard that before. I hadn't heard the actual breakdown or yeah. definition of it. Maybe we'll get that at some point if I'll we're talking about it a little bit yeah. more. But it's uh, it's classic. So I follow this fantasy football analyst, Adam Levitan, who's come up with the shower narrative where, you know, a quarterback receiver, if they played together in college, you know, that's your coming of age. You know, when you're in college, you're hanging out all the time, you know, probably hitting the showers together. So he calls it the shower narrative <laughs> and the moose trying to take advantage of that with uh, acquiring Morgan Barron. But uh, yeah, I think that's a name maybe we'll be hearing more about as, you know, the Jets, if they don't make the playoffs, we can certainly follow the moose. Uh, in the playoffs as well. And Mike mentions in chat, a lot of kids were going crazy because uh, pancakes were one oh, for everyone. Oh my God. Okay, so yeah, I was going to mention that as well. So the way they do, I mean, obviously the gold, goalie, uh, gold eyes always had the pancake batter, which was amazing. I think my old pal, the Z-Man, was the one that actually came up with that originally in the early gold eyes days. But going into the third period, there's three stacks of pancakes and a kid picks either one, two, or three. Now, um, the youngster at the game last night picked the second stack of pancakes, and they pulled it up, and it was two goals. So the Moose had to score two goals in the third period, and everyone would get free pancakes. Well, they scored early to tie it up, gave up the go-ahead goal, and then Barron scored to tie the game. And as I tweeted, I was really excited because it looks like this guy's a legit prospect. And again, I've just seen him for one game, but what I saw was was exciting. 
but the excitement in the building was the free pancakes at the Pancake House. And uh, let's just say that uh, it wasn't a huge crowd, but they were going nuts. And uh, everyone was pretty fired up about that leaving the building. Yeah, that's awesome. I used to love, uh, love being the pancake or cheering for the pancake batter to strike out at the Gold Eyes game. So I imagine Moose games also, uh, also very popular. And, um, you know, you mentioned Morgan Barron coming in the trade with Andrew Kopp. And yes, a, uh, a listener emailed us mentioning, pointing out that in the Rangers 3-2 win last night, Andrew Kopp led the Rangers in ice time. And, you know, we would talk about when he would do that here how it was some kind of uh, anomaly, a rare event, but it happened a couple times depending on uh, the penalties. But yes, Andrew Kopp, 18-20 last night. He's got five points in four games with the Rangers, and we'll be all cheering for the Rangers uh, when the playoffs start because, we what, Eastern Conference final, the Jets will get the first round, their first round pick. So we're all Ranger fans now. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll get to last night in the National Hockey League because there were some big, big matchups as we talked about on yesterday's show with, uh, you know, some of the top teams in the league going head to head. Uh, but just to wrap up the uh, the Moose conversation, yeah, as you mentioned, you know, Jeff Malott and Barron were uh, were partners or uh, well, teammates at Cornell for, I believe, three seasons. Uh, they did a neat piece on Moose TV. I'm sure it's up on the website or on their uh, site on you know, how even one of the first guys to call him was Malott, and they were uh, real excited to play each other and play with each other, and both had big, big games. Uh, Malott, you know, took the puck to the net. Dave Lowry, if he was watching the game, would have had a big smile on his face setting up the first goal. Then it was the Gus Bus who uh, got on the board on a power play goal, um, and then it was Morgan Barron a little later on. So, um, you know, while the Jets are still in tough and after going to have to go into these next few games, although Kyle Connor, the Moose are getting ready for the playoffs. And, you know, Remo, we should mention, it was a busy night last night if you wanted to go see some great hockey, whether you're going downtown or to the south side. I mean, two great games, two nice wins, and uh, the Winnipeg Ice they tweeted out earlier are back on top of the mountain as the number one ranked team in the Western Hockey League and I believe the Canadian Hockey League as well. Yeah, pretty awesome to see uh, Winnipeg Ice. So, I mean, even if the Jets are not in the place, we're going to have some big playoff hockey here, uh, whether with the Moose or the Ice, and we'll be following that. So nice to see them uh, having some success. I think they uh, head her on the road after this, after this for a bit. Yeah, here's the uh, your your top 10 rankings in the Canadian Hockey League, so including the Q, the OHL, and the WHL. The Winnipeg Ice are back on top at number one. Hamilton Bulldogs at two. Edmonton Oil Kings, who have been right up there and have had some real good games with the ice so far this season. They're number three. Another WHL team, the Everett Silvertips, is at four. Uh, you got your first Q team in the Charlottetown Islanders at five. Sherbrooke Phoenix at six. Kamloops Blazers 7, Quebec Remparts 8, Windsor Spitfires 9, and the North Bay Battalion 10. So, um, and it was just interesting. They uh, they had a 12-reek run atop the circuit earlier this season. They've returned to first overall on the back of a 15-game span that has seen the squad go undefeated in regulation. So, uh, good things happening for James Patrick's team. Great to see Munzee and the guys enjoying all those wins. We'll definitely be talking more ice as we get closer to the WHL playoffs as well. And uh, as I said, there will be playoff hockey in Winnipeg this spring. Um, doesn't look great for the Jets right now. Certainly, though, the uh, the Moose and Ice uh, hopefully have some long playoff runs with some great crowds and fun atmospheres coming into uh, into uh, this uh, this spring. 
Um, but let's get back to the Jets. Before we bring Trevor Kidd on, um, let's talk a little bit more, Remus, about what this means for the Jets going in tonight. We went over the lines, but I think it might be a good time to hear from Dave Lowry. Didn't speak extensively, uh, but, you know, had two or three minutes, you know, with Mike McIntyre, Mitch Clinton, getting the latest four-on-one from the Jets interim head coach going into another very important game, and this time doing it without Nate Schmidt on the blue line and Kyle Connor. Here is Dave Lowry from uh, just in the last hour or so in Buffalo. Dave, uh, obviously a couple guys not on the ice this morning raised some eyebrows. What can you tell us about Kyle and Nate? COVID protocol. Once again, have Tesco back home. Uh, did they just get the results this morning or last night? Or? Oh, they get the results this morning. We uh, test here at the rink, and uh, unfortunately, uh, they weren't the results we were looking for. Uh, Kyle's your leading scorer, of course, so that that must be quite a significant uh, blow. Well, we've had a, we've had other top guys out, and uh, yes, you're disappointed that uh, he's not going to be available to play, but. Somebody else will have to step up, and uh, what it does now is it creates opportunity for somebody else to to come in and, and take advantage. Just what have you seen, I guess, from Buffalo, especially over the last six, when they've they've kind of seemed to be on a, a little bit of a run of their own, and what's kind of stood out to you? How hard they're playing, scoring goals. They were down four nothing the other night in Chicago, and, and came back one six five. Taking teams to overtime, finding ways to win hockey games, and, and they're taking very good teams to overtime, and and. Uh, they're playing hard. They're creating lots of offense, and uh, you know, for us, it'll be a real good challenge. Looks like in the morning skate, you kind of put Nikolai Ehlers in that Kyle Connor spot. Is that just as simple as a lefty in a, into a lefty spot, or is that, uh, or is there more to it? Well, that's uh, Nikki would be the next guy that would uh, jump in into that spot, and it just uh, that's where you know he, he's played uh, both sides this year, so it just it, it makes the most sense. What have you liked about kind of the group's ability to, to keep it one game at a time? I mean, obviously a lot of things going on around them, but it seemed to really kind of help with their success, especially over the month of March, keeping kind of what they can control in the forefront and really not worrying about much else. Well, that's all we can do, right? That's, that's the mindset that uh, we've had to develop. Um, you, you look at the games last night, you don't get the help that uh, you're hoping for. The one thing that you have to do is you have to – you have to win your own games. You have to just pay attention to yourselves, and eventually you will get some help. Just on Kyle and Nate again, they're both American citizens. Is that going to change things, uh, or is that someone else that has to worry about that, not you, in terms of where would they go from here? Well, they'll stay, they'll stay in the States. Uh, I believe law requires them it's five days. So they will stay here for their, their five days, and then they can travel. Obviously, April 1st, you don't need, uh, you don't need a test to... To travel back in. Um, just, I think those are two of the guys, if not the only two guys, that hadn't got hit yet. So had there almost been a sense, people were joking about it the other day. That well, there was an article that was written about it too. We yes. saw that, and, and that, hey, you know that that happened. It, eventually, it, it uh, was going to catch up, and uh, you know, unfortunately, it did. And it was today. Got brought up at the at the end of the back and forth with Dave Lowry today. I <laughs> he hadn't heard that till the end. That was, I mean, listen, what can you do? I mean, it is somewhat um, you know unfortunate, somewhat ironic that that article went out there, and I'm sure Jay will take some uh, abuse uh, from the gang for when he's around the team next up. But um, I mean, listen, like uh, you said at the start of the show, Remus, it was pretty much bound to happen 
because it seems like it's happening uh, everywhere to everyone right now. Um, hopefully just a blip, but obviously, hopefully, like many people right now are experiencing, you know, most people being vaccinated, not really severe outcomes, uh, but still unfortunate for the individuals, for everyone yeah. that's dealing with it. And of course, for the hockey team that's going to be without their leading scorer. You know, there was an article written about it yesterday <laughs> that he hadn't been hit. I mean... <laughs> I was actually shocked that he admitted to reading the newspaper. Most people will say that um, they don't pay attention to that sort of thing. So there you have it. The Jets do pay attention to stuff that is written in the paper. Although I'm sure they knew um, they knew when, you know, you can tell what the stories are going to be when they come and ask, ask questions about it. But I have to love him referencing. Yeah, there was an article yesterday. It wasn't a jinx. And again, I said, I put out the graphic yesterday. You know, can he get to 50 goals? He's got 15 games left. Next game, he has positive. He has to miss. Yeah, listen, games. you're not you're not out of the uh, out of the cipher as well. I mean, putting up the uh, the social media post about how many goals will he get and the great thing about how many goals he scored so far. Yeah. It all conspired to have him out. And you know what? We'll talk about this with Murat a little bit later on. Trevor coming up. I mean, guys are going to need to step up. Dave Lowry also mentioned the out-of-town scoreboard last night, Raymond. Listen, we'll get to some of the other big games. I mean, I went to... Uh, one of my favorite watering holes after the game sat down and uh, after the moose game and went to watch both the avalanche and flames. But the game that we got on that was of most importance to the Winnipeg jets was the game in Anaheim between the Dallas stars and the Anaheim ducks. And I'll tell you what, Troy Terry put the team up with the ducks up two one after two John Gibson made some monster saves in the game. Uh, but it wasn't enough, and it almost just seems... I don't know how many times Dallas has done this over the last two or three weeks, being down, going into the third period or late, and uh, completely turning it around. They scored two goals in about a minute in the last five minutes against the Oilers, I think, last week, and they did it again last night. So, uh, like Dave Lowry mentioned, I mean, uh, they're not getting a lot of help right now, and they need to keep putting the pressure on, and the pressure really is on the Winnipeg Jets just to keep up right now as Dallas makes up some of these makeup games. And, uh, you know, with or without Kyle Connor and Nate Schmidt, no one's going to feel sorry for them. they got to come out and beat a Buffalo team tonight that has been playing some real good hockey as of late and scoring a lot of goals. I saw that uh, score last night. I was like, no! Dallas, how do you keep winning all these games? And as you said, just when you think, you know, you've got a lead on them heading into the third period, they either come back and win or they take you to overtime and beat you in overtime. And we've seen that here so many times. So, I mean, those one goal games, sometimes that's just the difference in making the playoffs and not. And for the Jets, you know, those overtime games against Dallas, it's going to end up, you know, decide who gets in the playoffs and who doesn't. Potentially. So uh, unfortunate, as you said there, but for the Jets and Buffalo, you've been telling me, you told me yesterday that Buffalo is like the team that you know the most about right now, as far as any, any other team in the league, because you keep betting on them to win and they are upsetting everyone. They have been, I mean, going back to the heritage game where they were like plus 255 money line against the Leafs and Chris Abbott, I'll give a shout out to Chris, our great sponsor over at cool bet. Post like every single game, he takes a Tage Thompson prop to get a point, sometimes for him to get a goal. And it seems like it catches each and every game. And um, tell you what, they're a fun team. And I really think Remo, uh, and I'll ask Murat about this. I'll be interested to, in his perspective on it. I think this goes back to um, Buffalo when, um, you know, when they beat the Golden Knights. 
And that, I think, was such a big game for this organization to beat Jack Eichel at home. I mean, from there, that that was the game, I think, heading into that outdoor game against the Leafs, which they won. Uh, They got pumped by the Oilers, but they came right back, beat the Flames, beat the Canucks, beat the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, you know, and had close losses to the Capitals and Rangers before that win against the Blackhawks. So there is absolutely no easy outs. And that team that had lost, what, six in a row and nine of 11 heading into the outdoor game um, is now making teams earn the two points against them. So the Jets are going to have to be ready for this challenge tonight. Well, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about the goaltending this season and get Trevor Kidd's thoughts on the uh, Jets overall this year. And then Murata Tesh is going to join us uh, coming up probably more near the top of the hour in about half or so. Uh, but listen, before we get to Trevor Kidd, uh, let me give a big shout out to our friends over at F Apparel, uh, Winnipeg's leading spot to get custom suits for men, uh, but really a, a full line of custom clothing for any occasion. In addition to suits, they've got dress shirts, casual chinos, golf pants, untucked dress shirts, shoes, ties, accessories, and more. Hey, guys, everyone needs at least one suit that fits and looks great. And F's custom-made suits, as seen on WST, worn by none other than one Ken Weeb, start at just 400 bucks. They're the top choice in Winnipeg for weddings and grad suits. Got a great deal for your wedding party if you uh, you know get your suits from, uh, from F. And uh, a real great promotion for uh, young men that are just graduating from high school. Bring in your valid Winnipeg High School ID. When you're ordering a suit, they'll give you a free shirt and tie so uh, the young men can get fully outfitted for their high school grad starting at about 400 bucks, and then obviously have the suit to wear for many occasions going forward. F Apparel, 190 Smith Street. Find out more and make an appointment online at fephapparel.com. Our friends at Vita Health have a lot going on this week at any of their seven Winnipeg locations, always featuring great prices on Winnipeg's best selection of natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries. And if you're able to pop in, make sure you check out the delicious and healthy lunch options at their grab-and-go deli featuring Vita Market salads, soups, sandwiches, and more. And if you can't make it into the store, visit their brand-new, fully shoppable website, to buy online or schedule a delivery with Instacart. Vita Health Fresh Market has seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge and online at myvita.ca. And by the way, you still have a couple days to subscribe to the Vita VIP list. One text Vita VIP to 1-877-630-1970. You get special offers all year long. And if you subscribe before Thursday, you'll be entered to win a $100 Vita Health gift card. Big thanks to our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market. And while we're eating healthy and getting healthy groceries over at Vita, um, you know, it all starts with the best in water, hydrating yourself. And when you think water and water services in Winnipeg, you think of our friends over at Culligan Water, family owned and doing it for 65 years in Manitoba. Culligan features water softeners filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems and drinking water systems, not to mention citywide water delivery services, as well as commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Go see them at 1200 Sargent Avenue, 694-5180 is the number to call or find out more online for what they can do for your family and your business at drinkculligan.com. All right, Murata Tesh coming up in a few minutes, but right now, 
long overdue for the first time. Let's welcome in our old friend, longtime NHL goaltender, Trevor Kidd. Trevor Kidd. Kidder, what's going on, man? It's great to talk to you again. Us, yes. It's a uh, long time and uh, a lot of fun there. Uh, enjoyed the banter, the conversation uh, going back to the last game there on uh, CJOB. It was uh, it was great to hear your voice. Uh, it's great to see you guys doing your uh doing your thing and obviously uh yeah thanks for having me on well here. listen i mean i think a lot of hockey fans are pretty fired up to hear that uh, you're back contributing on some of the local broadcasts and god knows this team's given us a lot to talk about this year both sometimes <laughs> from the good and the bad hey let me just ask you this before we get into the present i mean i know you followed the club you know throughout the season we knew that there were high expectations how surprised right. are you that the jets are where they are right now just clinging on to their playoff lives in a in a very very tough west considering you know what i think a lot of people believe that mm. this was going to be a big bounce back season and we wouldn't be talking about in or out on the playoffs but being ready and maybe to make a big push come uh, come playoff time such an interesting year hey huss it uh you think back to the the start of the season and i even uh, referenced i had a conversation uh it was with Weber, Ken Weeb, uh, early in the season, saying, like, is this the best iteration of the Winnipeg Jets that you, you've you seen in 2.0 era? And it wasn't long after we had that conversation uh, on the air that things uh, really started sliding. And you know what? Uh, you know, the Coach Maurice thing, uh, I don't think anybody saw that coming. Certainly the adjustment uh, there in, in November, and it's – you know, it's been uh, anytime you have a coaching change, uh, it's tough. There's new adjustments. Certainly, you know, there's a lot of talk about accountability and a new voice inside the dressing room, but there's a new direction. There's new systems. There's new, you know, everything's new. And I think there was a bit of a, uh, you know, change there, obviously. And I think that was a part of the reason, certainly, uh, you know, when your your head coach of uh, seven or so years says that a new voice is required in the dressing room, it leaves a lot to uh, to wonder, uh, and, you know, and, and you know whether that be the leadership group, and you know, right away you think of uh, the Morrisseys and the Shifleys and the Wheelers. Uh, um, you know, you look to those guys. Uh, you know what's going on. Um, your head coach is uh, saying that uh, as much as is, is falling on deaf ears, <clears throat> change is hard, as I said. Uh, never mind, you know, mid or uh, off season. Never mind uh, mid season, huh? So there's adjustments. I mean, the year. Uh, the cancellation of games, the readjustment there, December, January. Um, it's been a, a, you can say it's been a Jekyll and Hyde season. And I think we've seen that from the team from an in-game perspective. Uh, uh, you know, I think the challenges of late have been that 60-minute uh, type situation. Uh, um, we'll see glimpses of a, a real good hockey team that has a, a ton of good structure and good habits. And then, and then we'll see moments of uh, where, where, where it doesn't seem like it's together. <laughs> Let me ask you this. There's been a lot of talk about the Jets and how they defend. And I know Craig Button was saying, you know, that, you know, mm -hmm. this goes back to Maurice and there was coaching issues. But I mean, as a guy that spent a lot of time in NHL nets um, and understands what, what you want your defensemen to be doing and what you'd like your forwards to be doing, when you watch this team, I mean, does anything stand out to you about when when things aren't going well or when things are going well? I mean, the two sides of the Winnipeg Jets, right. particularly in their own end from your viewpoint? Well, you know, I mean, it's, uh, you know, you think back, you know, three, four years ago, and it's a lot different. And I know sometimes I even reflect back to 
and it wasn't that long ago where you had uh, Tyler Myers, you had Jacob Truba, you had Dustin Bufflin. Like, it was a big group, right? The Winnipeg Jets uh, had, um, you know, a physical group, a big group, and it's different now. And so that part, uh, you know, when you look at uh, Josh Morrissey, you look at the the back end, uh, uh, it's a smaller group, and they do have to defend differently. And I remember Coach Maurice uh uh, former coach Maurice talking about uh, making the comparisons, like you know, from a Josh Morrissey to a uh, Dustin Bufflin, and, and guys have to defend differently, and a lot of that has to do with uh, you know taking away time and space, and and so I think you see a little bit more of that uh, from a defenseman defending perspective, and what Winnipeg has uh, as a group. I think a lot of the problems from a uh, uh, Winnipeg Jet perspective uh, when when it comes to defending is is more the group defending us and and the the five person uh unit and i think where the winnipeg jets have gotten into a lot of trouble is is not necessarily defending in front of the net it's it's the turnovers and the transitions that are happening at the blue lines and to me you can just go back to uh the game uh last week when vegas was in town uh the the turnovers at the blue lines were horrible the turnovers in the neutral zone were were atrocious, and and when you're not managing the puck in those areas, defending with the speed that other teams have, the ability to transition uh, to get back on the attack, it makes it super tough to defend off the rush in the National Hockey League now. So I don't mind the Winnipeg Jets again from a defending perspective uh, as, as a man. Uh, as again, because they're going to defend differently. To me, a lot of the issues have come from uh, that five-man uh, unit uh, as a core, and um, what they're doing in managing the puck. You know what? You just mentioned it. I mean, that's a word that we have talked about over and over again this year, and it really does come down to decision making and puck management. Mm-hmm. And when that's yes, not going well that. for you, or the team somewhat is on a different page, and a guy's making a pass, a guy should be there, and it doesn't happen. I mean, boom, it's right back and you don't have a lot of time to recover for it. And that's how, you know, you get those odd man chances or guys wide open. And, you know, from uh, on the other side of things, when things are clicking, and I think this goes well for all teams, when things seem natural, you're making those simple plays, you're doing it quickly and efficiently, the puck management works well. And then the next thing you know, you're probably spending a little bit more time in the other zone. So it is somewhat confounding. And what a challenge for Dave Lowry. Right. And, And to me, you know, everybody talks about, you know, go back to uh, just the last game. I mean, a lot of the pregame show was about uh, uh, Vili Hinola and, and, and you know, using his feet and, and making that good first pass. And I said, listen, a, a good first pass is only as good as the good support that you have on the wings. Is, is only as good as that winger getting low to the hash marks. Is only as good as the centerman offering uh, that low support uh, at the bottom of the, the face-off dots. So you have to look at the... Uh, where the forwards are in the in the defense, it, uh, it it's a work in progress still here for uh, interim coach Lowry for sure. Hey, let's talk goaltending for a minute. Um, I can tell you that here on Winnipeg Sports Talk, the amount of people that before we even dropped the puck on the season said Eric Conley was going to sink the season was okay. plentiful. Um, okay. You know, listen, an easy guy to cheer for. Um, and I mean, you're a great guy to talk about this. I mean, his challenge coming in, establishing himself as the backup and. I mean, it's not an easy job. You go a long time without playing, and then you go in and you got to perform. And he really has done, done that. I mean, mm-hmm. what have you seen from Comrie, and how impressed have you been been with him, considering the pressure on his shoulders coming into the season? 
Yeah, no kidding. Hey, Huss. Um, I mean, and I think some of the the questions and 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 uh, for Eric Comrie were 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 legitimate. I mean, he's he's struggled in in many of his opportunities here through. Uh, you know, and what he's been given for, uh, by the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, he's he's had a really good uh, Manitoba Moose career, but anytime he's got an opportunity with the Winnipeg Jets, he's struggled. And you know, he's he's gotten second and third opportunities. I mean, we could talk forever. I mean, anytime you're around this guy, his passion for the game, his heart for the game, his love for the game is is darn contagious, right? I mean. Um, it, it's a lot of fun to be around the guy, uh, whether you're a fan or whether you're a, a teammate in the locker room, because he is—he's uh, a great guy. He's a great person. But at the end of the day, um, it's the performance, uh, it's the work, uh, uh, the two points in the bank that uh, is going to, you know, continue your, your career and, and, and get second uh, opportunities. And and what I've really liked about Eric Comrie this year is. And, you know, a little bit would say, you could say experience. I think you could say maturity and some of the things he went through last year and his movement uh, through the league uh, with a few other teams. He, to me, the biggest thing with Comrie, he just looks calmer in the net. Um, to me, there was a part of him going back uh, last year, the year before, there was a lot of nerves. There was a lot of movement. There was a lot of jitters. I just find him to be so much more calmer in the net. More, you know, you look at Connor Hellebuck now, uh, he's a real efficient guy in the net. He doesn't do any extra work in there um, from a positional uh, standpoint. Um, certainly, you know, rebound control, all those sorts of things. We can get real technical here. But generally speaking, he's just more efficient in the net. He's, uh, as I mentioned, there's less jitters. There's there's less nerves. Um, and again, I would uh, attribute that to just being uh, uh, more experienced and, and arguably more mature having a, another year under his belt. And, and again, um, he's, he's putting two points in the bank. Uh, he's not just playing well. He's not just playing better than he did last year. He's winning hockey games. And he uh, um, certainly put some some things to, to bed in regards to some of those question marks. And, I mean, heck, you could even argue us that uh, down the stretch here, he might play a few more games than we would have anticipated, uh, you know, two months ago. So, um, I mean, the games right now are, are so big, so massive. Two points uh, is such a big thing. Connor Hellebuck, uh, there is some back-to-back -back games. He's going to need a break here in the next 18 or so games. And having your backup, uh, in, in, you know, Eric Comrie here in this instance uh, is massive. I mean, just got, got, look at look at the Vegas Golden Knights with Lauren Bersois, who was the Winnipeg Jets' backup. A big reason why they've been struggling or where they are now, you know, dancing on the playoff line is because they haven't had that number two netminder step up and, and win games and put points in the bank. So it's huge for the Winnipeg Jets that Eric Comrie is is winning and, and performing well. Well, and if you can, Trev, I mean, look back on your career. I mean, speak to, if you would, the challenges of being a backup goaltender. I mean, what those routines are like where you're mm -hmm. taking extra shots from other guys, you're not playing for two weeks, and then all of a sudden you're coming in maybe on the second end of a back-to-back -back when they need you to step up. And, you know, situationally, it might not be ideal. Yeah, and that, that's the challenge. And and I think that's where some of, uh, you know, the goaltending coach has has evolved uh, a lot different from, from when I played where that goaltending coach was more of a, let's go out and have a coffee or a beer and, and talk about what's going on in the headspace versus anything else, right? 
that that goaltender coach uh, of, of of this era, uh, this generation. There's a whole bunch more work put in. There's there, there's video work in the in the back room. There's the, you know the strength and conditioning component, the riding the bike, all those sorts of things. Things are managed so much differently now than they were 10, 15 years ago. Um, and then the other part of it is 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 the 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 practice time. I mean, you go out there, you feel good about your game, and I, you know, again, I'm talking about practice time. I think I might have cut out there a bit, Huss, but um, you go, you know, again, 10, 15 years ago, you go out there, you get a good feel, you get off the ice, and and I think we saw that a little bit. I mentioned Lauren Brassois earlier, big, you know, a lot of comments. You think back a couple of three years ago was was what Lauren Brassois did in these practices to get. Uh, I mean, Connor Hellbuck, uh, you guys would have the. Uh, uh, the stats on this, but uh, you know, in regards to games played, shots, saves over the last how many years, <laughs> he's leading the league. I mean, the the number two goaltender for the Winnipeg Jets doesn't see the ice very often. So you know, everything that I talked about from the goalie coach to the uh, strength and conditioning trainer to the video uh, coach, a lot of the practice times are game situations. You know, the three on twos, the two on ones, the little battles in front of the net. You're approaching your practices like it's the real McCoy. You're going out there and you're trying in a practice to not allow a single thing past you. That's the closest thing you're going to get to the competitive environment of a game. And I think that's what we've seen even going back a couple of years now and hearing uh, Lauren Brassois no different uh, uh, with, with today's uh, Eric Comrie that uh, practice time is is game time for him. And you do your best uh with the time that you get to, to keep everything out of the net. So there's a, an easier transition when it comes to, uh, you know, listen, the top on the shoulder, it's your turn. No doubt. Trevor Kidd's with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Uh, let's move out of the crease for a minute. I mean, two guys for me have really stood out. I'm interested in your perspective on their seasons. Pierre-Luc Dubois in the middle, yeah. especially considering the struggles that he had coming here last season yeah. after yeah. the Line A trade. Yeah. And then maybe just a little bit on the emergence of Kyle Connor into a true scoring superstar now with 41 goals, which unfortunately will not be added to tonight because uh, he's in the protocol and on the list. They finally bit him, right? Uh, he's <laughs> last one of man the last standing. guys. No kidding. Uh, I mean, Dubois, I tell you, um, oh, both guys uh, have had outstanding years. Uh, I've really liked uh, Dubois. You know, we've talked about the defending part of our conversation here earlier, and I think that's arguably what I've what I've liked the most about him. He's such a strong, uh, power forward uh, type guy um, that is really good in the defensive zone, really good in the uh, the neutral zone. And again, you talk about all three zones uh, is really, really. And I mean, he's had Kyle Connor with him for for most of the year, but uh, to to be able to dig the puck out. Uh, uh, you know, along the boards to be able to go behind the goal line and, and and do that type of work, create the puck separation. But you're also playing with a guy that has a ton of speed and a ton of creativity. So to be able to keep up with the Kyle Connors of the world uh, in regards to the, the Winnipeg Jets is, is also a testament to what he can do uh, from a creative uh, standpoint, uh, from an offensive standpoint. So, uh, you know, as, as far as Dubois goes, I mean, I think it's all aspects of his game have, have really um, impressed me uh, and it would be tough to single out uh, one thing specifically it's just the all-around game that this guy brings uh, in, in being a difference maker uh, each and every night and I think I'd add that as, as the last component he's been a real consistent player this year for the Winnipeg Jets and you know at times when you've had players earlier in the year step out 
he's been uh, the one dominant factor uh, for the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, you know, when, when Wheeler's been out of the lineup, when Shifley's been out of the lineup, uh, he's been the one consistent. And, I mean, Kyle Connor's so cool. I mean, you've seen this uh, coming now for, for a few years. Uh, how dynamic this guy is, how creative he is, how quick is i mean stick handling in a phone booth all those sorts of things uh how how quick the puck comes off his stick uh uh you know the 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 you know in and 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 out what he what he does with the puck uh and 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 the other part of it is 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 you know when you get him in the offensive zone it, it he can create at the top of the circles he can create in and around the blue paint he can create below the goal line as a goaltender, as a defender, this is what is so tough about uh, about Kyle Connor is you just don't know what he's going to do because he's so shifty, he's so creative, he's so dynamic that, you know, just when you think, okay, I think I have him here, I know what he's going to do, he might shoot the puck. Or he might, you know, you think he's going to take it outside, boom, he's inside. Uh, and, and he likes to go to the dangerous parts of the ice house. And, you know, I think... You know, sometimes when you talk about Nick Ehlers, go back uh, three, four years ago, um, you know, you saw him skate like crazy and and do the big circles in the offensive zone. Um, But he didn't really take the puck to the inside part of the ice. Nick Ehlers does that a lot more now than he ever did, which I think is a part of the reason why he's having a a great year in himself. And uh, but again, back to Kyle Connor, um, I just what he does in the offensive zone is I, I mean, that we could talk here for a bit. I don't think he gets enough credit in the National Hockey League. Like this is one of the best players in the darn league, hands down. Um, I just don't think uh, there's too many people outside of Winnipeg that uh, realize the impact that not only he has with the Winnipeg Jets, but uh, as as one of the upper echelon guys, I'm talking top five uh, in the league. Um, he just doesn't get the recognition that he deserves. No, and you know what I'll say this about? I'll say this about his season. And I think those two, uh, Dubois and Connor, play off each other so well. And mm-hmm. to be honest, it, Dubois at the start of the season, you know, was clearly the guy. And you talk about the dangerous part of the ice. I mean, he was taking the puck and he was putting his head down and he mm-hmm. was bull rushing the uh, the net. And Kyle Connor, who was never a guy that spent a lot of time there before, I think realized that playing with a guy like Dubois, you better be in and around those areas and get ready right. to get your stick on the puck. And boom, it started to work. And I'll say one other thing, too. I mean, we're never going to probably be talking about Kyle Connor up for the Selkie or anything like that. But I think a lot of the habits and the def- defensive at- uh, attention to detail that Dubois brings is sort of rubbed off on Connor and the added responsibility of playing in that role, not to mention the penalty kill, I think has taken his defensive side of the game from what was certainly a real deficiency, at least to more average that's not killing the team. And I mean, man, the difference that he can make on the PK just with getting his stick on a puck go the other way, I mean, has really been significant as well since Dave Lowry took over. Plus, yeah, no, the one part that I like what you said there about Dubois is the center lane drive. And I 100% agree with you. And, you know, you talk about Coach uh, Lowry and the type of player that he was and the type of player, uh, you know, the style of game that he's really looking uh, from this team. Dubois is that guy, right? Uh, driving the net, uh, all that work in front of the blue paint is is so big. And I agree with you. There is a chemistry there that Dubois and Connor have that's very hard to capture uh, when you have a guy that's as talented as, as Kyle Connor. And Dubois really fit that role down the middle uh, for a lot of reasons, but certainly defensive component. Uh, I don't disagree with you there. The interesting part, when you look at uh, Dubois 
uh, and Connor in the chemistry is is the various components that have slid in on the right side. And, and you know, you've seen Sveshnikov there uh, a few times and, you know, even Blake Wheeler here now. And that Blake Wheeler component, you know, again, you start wondering who's going to fit in on that right side, not just for this year, but for years to come. Certainly that little experiment here in the last few games has looked pretty darn good. Uh, you know, in order for the Winnipeg Jets to get into the playoffs here, you know, certainly you need your best players. And we're talking about them here. We mentioned Connor Ellbuck. We mentioned Kyle Connor, Dubois. Shifley and Wheeler need to be a part of that group big time. Wheeler can't be a passenger in any of this. Shifley has to be just right there. As we're talking about Dubois and Connor, those two guys need to have huge impacts in a game. And the one thing I like about Wheeler on that Dubois and Connor line is that he seems to have a bigger impact on the game offensively. And, you know, maybe that's a little bit, uh, uh, again, a credit to Dubois is that Blake Wheeler doesn't necessarily feel that he has to be the linchpin defensively. He can do a little bit more on the offensive side of the puck, be a little bit more creative knowing that uh, uh, Dubois is out there with him. So it'll be interesting. I know Connor's out of the lineup here uh, today with COVID uh, uh, protocol, but as these guys get uh, Connor steps back into the lineup, I'm really looking forward to seeing what more that line could potentially do, do with Wheeler on the right side. With you on that, Trevor Kids with us, Kidder. This has been so much fun talking Jets with you and having you back on the program. Hey, yeah, before we good. go, I want to shift away from hockey for a second before we go. And of course, you know, we've talked about this off air for years about soccer and the growth game. I mean, you have uh, some of your kids played at a very high level. Absolutely. So you've been around the sport yeah. for a long time. Just from the sports fan that you are and someone that's been involved in the game, how fired up are you that our men's team has finally returned to the world stage and uh, we're going to the World Cup in November? So cool. And I know my kids are, um, I mean, I, I love coaching the game. There's so many uh, things about soccer that are very similar to that, uh, uh, to hockey uh, from a team perspective and, and you know, the, the skills that are needed and the, the mastery of those skills. What I've, what I've loved about watching soccer uh, this go around uh, with the men's team. I mean, you started to see it from the, the women's team. Certainly that's been the case for quite a few years now and the attention that is, is warranted and deserved on the, on the women's side, but to see the, the men's side uh, take the game here in the last couple of years and, and, and see the country and, 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 you know, to have regular people to, I mean, just, just to see, not nah, just to see so many, you know, I would say non-soccer fans, talking about the game. Hey, did you see that game last night? Did you see the fans in the stands? Did you see the flags? Did you see the, the colors? Are, are you watching the game tomorrow? And two years ago, there's so many people that I know that wouldn't even have the game of soccer on their radar screen. And, and to see now people talking about it, to see the excitement, to watch the games on TV, to see the celebrations, the, the chanting. I mean, I played hockey in, in Europe for a couple of years as I, uh, I ended my my uh, NHL career and and you know that the, the European uh, vibe to a game to a sports uh, event um, where there's you know again the cheering the celebrations the colors the flags the scarves the to see that there in Toronto was just so cool to watch and you almost had to pinch yourself a little bit like are we in Canada right now is this game actually played on our home soil. Like this does not look real. 
is there actually 20,000 20, people waving Canadian flags for a soccer game? How is this possible? Like, it's so, so cool. And, you know, my kids are texting me, hey, Dad, are you watching this? This is unbelievable. And, um, no, it's been a lot of fun. It's uh, I'm looking forward to watching it. I know they got a little bit to go here, maybe even up their, uh, their rankings a little bit. But uh, to have it already secured, to be going to Qatar, um, it's going to be a lot of fun. Well, the next time we talk in the show, we'll know who Canada's going to be playing. We'll know what group they're in. We'll know when the games are, and uh, we'll be looking forward to it. Of course, Absolutely. we'll have some time for some hockey talk as well. Kidder, when uh, can we hear you next? Uh, coming up with Kelly on the OB pre and post game. Well, I got a few uh, things with Jets TV coming up this weekend. And then, uh, yeah, CJ will be uh, the following week. So look forward to it. Excellent. Well, listen, man, it's great to see you back uh, commentating on our local squad. And it's just an absolute pleasure to have you back on the program. Let's do this again soon. Yeah, pal. absolutely. Have me again. I appreciate it, man. All right. Great stuff with Trevor Kidd. Really enjoyed having him on the program. We'll continue the Jets talk coming up in just a second with our uh, good friend Marada Tesh of The Athletic and Jeff Feinberg. It's been a while since we've had Feinberg on the program. We'll talk to him, kind of some non-hockey stuff, a little golf, a little NFL towards the end of the program. Hey, spring is finally here. I know our friends at Manitoba Battery have been, uh, you know, all in on keeping people's cars running through this brutal winter, uh, but we're hopefully putting this behind us and getting ready for two things that comes with the warmer weather, spring cleaning and spring fun. And Manitoba Battery has you covered. You're going to need batteries. It'll help you get the job done, whether it's your lawnmower, the drill, um, that tractor that's going to help you get the crop in for all our farming friends, whatever the job is, Manitoba Battery has you covered on the battery front. And then for everyone else that's looking forward to getting the summer toys out and enjoying the Summer that we've got, whether it's a hot rod, a golf cart that gets you around from site to site at the lake, a motorcycle getting on the open road, or a boat, you'll be enjoying summer days on the lake, campers as well. Manitoba Battery is the batteries that will you'll need to enjoy every ounce of our summer. They'll deliver anywhere in the city with same-day delivery when you order by 1.30 in the afternoon at a much lower price than what you'd have to pay at the big box stores. Manitoba Battery, home of the best prices in Winnipeg, 1026 Logan, 783-8787. You can find them online at manitobabattery.com. I was talking, actually watching the uh, the Ducks-Stars game last night with Greg over at Royal, and he mentioned for me to mention today on the program that if you or someone in the family or a friend are into bikes or into skateboards Royal Sports and Kings are hiring for both sales, mechanics, and in the warehouse, daytimes, evening, and weekends as we get into bike season. You can see it right there at Royal Sports Pembina on Instagram. Um, so if you do love working with bikes or you have someone in the family, send them over to Royal. They are uh, looking to uh, beef up the squad for bike season and of course the skateboard experts as well over at Royal Sports. So uh, they have you covered and while you're popping in there, maybe with someone to apply for a job, make sure you check out all the great merchandise they've got there, including some really cool exclusive local hats, old school Winnipeg whips, 1996 retro Manitoba moose, retro bombers hats as well. And I do believe they've actually got one coming in for the gold eyes. So uh, Royal Sports over at 750 Pemina Highway, Find out more on the uh, opportunity to work there at Royal Sports Pembina on Instagram or just pop by 750 Pembina with 
a resume. And uh, our friends at Not Auto Corp are ready for the summer as well. Been telling you about the new Tesla Experience program they've got going on. If you've at all thought about going electric or finding out more and trying Teslas, they got a ton on the lot and a great program. They've started that out. You can find out more whether it's on the Not Auto Corp Twitter, on their website at not.ca, or give them a call at Not or pop down and see them at Waverly and McGillivray. And of course, why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team? All right, down a couple men tonight. Jets going into Buffalo to begin a big back-to-back against the Sabres and Toronto Maple Leafs. We'll get to that as well as a very interesting breakdown of the Jets' depth chart going into the offseason with our good friend Murat Atesh of The Athletic. Murat, what's going on? How are you? Hey, doing quite well, Huss. Good to good to be here. How are things? Uh, well, things are fine with me, although uh, I know a lot of other people, uh, like I was just a little while ago, dealing with the uh, latest variant of COVID. And lo and behold, after the literal kiss of death was published in the Winnipeg Free Press, and then we added on with our social media post about Kyle Connor. It's Murphy's Law. Of course he's out right now. And man, the bad <laughs> luck about the timing of this, Murad, is uh, Kyle Connor and Nate Schmidt are going to miss three very important games for the Winnipeg Jets beginning tonight in Buffalo. Yeah, aren't you the, the superstitious guy that doesn't like the third period wave without a lead? Like- yes, I, I all of that stuff. I was I was horrified when I saw the article in the Winnipeg Free Press with the title, Connor, Lone Jet to Dodge COVID-19. That was Monday. We didn't even get a game in, and it's there. And uh, obviously, we were fired up. Remo did some great posts, and Kyle Connor's been a real headline grabber this year, so we put it out. But uh, all jokes aside, um, this is a guy that has been as consistent a scorer as there is in the National Hockey League this year. And um, a lot of guys are going to and need to step up tonight to make up for the loss of 81 in a very important game this evening. Yeah, I go back to the joke that Blake Wheeler made on that new look line that won't be there tonight with Pierre-Luc Dubois and Kyle Connor saying, well, we keep passing to the wrong guys. We got to get it to the guy that scored 40. I mean, that option goes away for the next three games. Uh, Nate Schmidt as well. I mean, I was just so taken by the press conference that he gave yesterday at practice. I wasn't in the room, but I watched it by video multiple times afterwards. Every question he got about transitioning into the NHL uh, with Ville Hainala sitting right beside him. Every single word served two purposes. One was to answer the question for the media so that they could have something to work with. The other was knowing full well that Ville Hainala beside him needed to hear a lot of that same stuff. And it was sort of the verbal equivalent of reaching an arm around a, a bud who kind of needed it at, at that time. And you could tell Ville Hainala was beaming for that. So you have a 40-goal scorer, a 41-goal scorer at this point. You have a veteran defenseman who's been a mentor to some of Winnipeg's younger D, and you take them out of the lineup, play 12, uh, 12, 6, and 2 in terms of a lineup. There's no backups. Everybody's got to go, and they're in the middle of a back-to-back as well. So, I mean, guys could be dinged up by the time that they get to Toronto, where I assume Eric Comrie will, will get tomorrow's start. Yeah, well, stranger things have happened. We'll see what happens with Hellebuck tonight, and the focus will be on uh, the mm-hmm. Buffalo Sabres. I do want to talk about the lines, both what we saw on the weekend and tonight, but you you mentioned Billy Hadel and Nate Schmidt. Um, you know, I don't think there was any surprise that Billy was going to stay in the lineup. Now, as you mentioned, it's all hands on deck. Stanley's going to be in, Hadel is in, but I would imagine, Marat, you were looking forward to seeing Billy get another opportunity to play with Neil Pionk, and if I do recall correctly, 
the game where so many of the defensemen were out, including Josh Morrissey in St. Louis, which might have been Vili's finest game so far this season, was a time where he played some significant minutes with Neil Pionk in a, in an elevated role outside of the third pairing that, you know, usually whatever young defenseman has been in the lineup has been taken up. Yeah, you know what? Billy Hainel has been such a story from uh, from basically his first game of this particular season in the NHL. He was pretty bad. That first period was fairly brutal. There was multiple giveaways. He gave up space in the neutral zone. Um, there were some issues with, with his play. And the unfortunate thing at that time was that he wasn't playing to his strengths, right? We we know he's not a big defenseman. Logan Stanley is. They're gonna have they're gonna be capable of different things as a as a result of their different skill sets. But early on, Hanela wasn't even necessarily playing to his strengths to give himself the best chance. He hang, hung in there. Uh, he got a little bit of support from the coaching staff early, though of course he came out of the lineup eventually. He was able to start playing to his strengths, have that good game that you're talking about, contribute to offense. Um, be a quick puck mover from the back end who just goes and gets it and does the right thing, picked up the second assist on Mark Shifley's first of two goals the other night. Um, and at that offensive blue line, where I think that he and Neil Pionk, like you say, they're going to make hay. I mean, there are a few Jets defensemen who see seams into dangerous passing lanes as well as Villa does at the Manitoba level, at the AHL level. Um, he picks defenses apart so many plays go through him he knows how to jump into a lane he knows how to attack a seam draw defenders and then pass it off as well and I was looking forward to a little bit of confidence a little bit of that building and building and building on that third pair where the defensive assignments aren't quite as intense and you heard Nate Schmidt say yesterday they get a lot of offensive zone starts and that gives them time to wheel now he's going to be in it and he's going to have to play a little bit tougher in terms of competition, a little bit tougher in terms of uh, the zone assignments. And also Neil Pionk has, uh, has gone against heavy competition this year with, without being as strong as he was in years past. And I don't know if that's an injury thing. He hasn't taken every morning skate or what have you, but you see flashes of Neil Pionk's uh, excellence from recent seasons. It hasn't been 100% there. Um, so I'm very curious to see how that looks. And I'm curious to see how Logan Stanley and Brendan Dillon look as well. Because with Stanley and Hanela, it seems they're such different players in terms of skill set, size, um, you know, country of origin, uh, the story about how they were drafted, all of those sorts of things. They're, they're very different. And you tend to get into this dialogue on the internet, on, on Twitter, in the mentions, in the comments, where it's one or the other. You like one guy or the other. Well, Winnipeg has a lot of young defensemen that are hopefully going to take over and be the next generation. And ideally, Hanela and Logan Stanley become good defensemen. It, it'll be good to see what they're capable of against Buffalo tonight. Yeah, you know what? You're you're so right, my friend. Um, there has been, I mean, it's just a polarizing discussion and everything, especially when you get to talking on social media, can somewhat be more polarizing. I mean, there's a lot of really truthers out there of which I can be one of those guys at some points, but I will say this. I mean, I thought he had a nice stretch for a while, but I mean, I said on the show after the Valentine's day game, I would be surprised if Logan Stanley wasn't going back in because I thought he really did struggle in that game in particular with some of the things that he needs to be doing well to be in the lineup. And it was simply, you know, those passes, beginning they had a couple shifts where they just had they couldn't get it out of their own end and that's not what Vili Hainala uh brings to the table and that being said 
considering the amount of time that he'd been out and the amount of time that he'd been in the press box, I was really impressed with the way he handled himself on Sunday night. And there was no doubt in my mind that he'd be going back in in this Buffalo game, regardless of what's subsequently happened with the COVID list. Well, the quality was there. I mean, I mentioned the assist, but, you know, on the other end of the puck, defensively, I mean, not only did he track back multiple times, there's a one-second second period shift where he gets two shots through um, through traffic, which is a real strength of his. He's not blasting away in the shin pads, creating immediate turnovers. The puck eventually does go back Winnipeg's way, and it's a two-on-one for Arizona. Villahenola tracks back, covers off the pass, hits a good gap, and is able to deflect the, the pass attempt into the corner, goes into the corner, the Coyote gets there first, and it's a crisp stick lift, a neat pass, and the puck goes the other way. And the idea is, this is a player that, should he reach his full potential? Should he grow into that top four type defenseman with you know a lot of offense and a little bit of defense? He's going to need to be able to do both of those things. And I think people underestimate him based on his size is that at least at the AHL level, he can do those things. He's impressive for his size in terms of box outs in front of the net. He's impressive at tying up the stick and knowing some of the important um, body positioning details that need to happen so that even if a player is bigger, has more reach, is stronger, their stick isn't free. And we've seen Winnipeg struggle with that no matter which defenseman was trying to tie up a stick, no matter how big that player was, whether it was Logan Stanley or Brendan Dillon or what have you. It's an area that everybody is going to need to be better at. And I think Villahenola is capable of it. Um, and we're looking to see a consistent stretch of games where he actually gets the minutes and can demonstrate what level he can bring to the table at this point of his NHL career. Moving away from the blue line up front, I mean, and I know things are going to look different because Kyle Connor's out, but um, I wanted to just go back to the weekend and thought of um, what you um, what you saw from um, the new lines after that miserable game against Ottawa. I was fully expecting to get to the game against the Columbus Blue Jackets to see Nikolai Ehlers back with Dubois and Connor, um, but instead split up Shifley and Wheeler, and um, oh, I won't peripheries i'll just give it to you before i give you my thoughts what did you think about the way those lines looked and particularly the way wheeler was fitting in with 80 and 81 i think it was a great move uh, unequivocally i think that that was the way to play that situation shifley didn't have a particularly strong game against ottawa um and neither did wheeler for that matter against Columbus on Friday, Shifley draws two penalties. Um, he drives the net. He goes to traffic areas uh, more so than we've seen in recent stretches of play. Um, and actually, if you look at game score, the metrics by the end of the night has a positive defensive impact on that game. We have not seen that from Mark Shifley consistently this season. And Blake Wheeler, I think, is a great fit with Connor and Dubois. I know Nikolai Ehlers can fly. I know that there's so many different things that he can do. I think of him as a more dynamic player. He scores more points per minute at even strength. I think that there's room for more Nikolai Ehlers, which, you know, ideally, perhaps that, you know, riding shotgun with Mark Shifley may, may help him get. Uh, at the same time, Blake Wheeler is probably more of a stylistic fit for Connor and Dubois at this point. A little bit of physicality, a little bit of willingness to drive the net. And for all of his critics, this last stretch of play from Blake Wheeler has been not exactly vintage, but good. There is quality to Blake Wheeler's game as a top six forward. He's aggressive off the faceoffs. He gets a lot of winger wins for a centerman. He's willing to go to dangerous areas of the ice. And I thought that splitting those two guys... Um, 
I'm not going to say it lit anything under anybody, but I'm going to say that unequivocally, I think that it was a good look, and both of those players were able to raise their game or at least find success in the two that they've played since. You know, uh, what do you think about Shifley and Ehlers? And I know we've talked about these guys playing together before because it's not like this is a brand new thing. They have played with each other during spurts over the course of the last couple seasons. And for me, it's just such a confounding pairing because at times, and you know how good these players are individually, and at times playing together, it seems like, holy smokes, this time could be really dominant. And then other times, um, they don't always seem to be on the same page. I mean, we've followed these guys for a long time. I know I've sort of tracked when they've been playing together. What do you make of that pairing? And, um, you know, I mean, where, where are you at right now on those guys playing together along with Paul Stastny right now um, uh, with the, the current setup? Well, historically, results have been good. So the most important thing is when you played those guys together, usually with Blake Wheeler in the past, whether it's shot metrics, whether it's the actual number of goals that they've scored, you know, they've produced more than they've given up. And at times, even more impressively than the Kyle Connor version of that line. And I think a lot of that has to do with Nick Euler's pure speed and his ability to help control where which zone the game gets played in just by transitioning the puck so well. So I think that on the whole, it's good and a good idea and helps everybody. At the same time, I see what you see. There are moments where timing can kind of get away from those guys. And I think that one of the things that Mark Shifley really likes playing with Kyle Connor, for example, and I feel like any NHL player would like playing with Kyle Connor, is that he makes such consistently well-timed cuts into dangerous areas in the middle of the ice in almost a predictable fashion, but they're very good, Shifley and Connor, reading off of each other of when to go, uh, when to cycle back, when, how the cutbacks work, when Kyle Connor's going to cut into the middle and get that pass, because Mark Shifley's always holding onto the puck, cycling, and looking to draw defenders into situations where he can pass through them and make a scoring chance more dangerous for the player at the other end of that. So I think that there's a timing thing that works for those two players really well. I think Nick Ehlers is a bit chaotic compared to that, and I think that he's harder for Mark Shifley to sort out when he's going to be where. So that duo can get into an overpassing situation. Um, I mean, they were guilty of that at various times throughout the year, not playing together. And certainly they can get there uh, when they do play together as well. And then there are times when if the timing doesn't look good, the shift just looks bad, even if nothing bad happens, because you see them kind of look out of sync together as well. So on the whole, I think they create a lot, but there's moments, more moments where they look a little bit awkward, I would say, because of those timing issues. Yeah, I still say there's some tantalizing potential. Real frankly, wherever Nikolai Ehlers plays, I mean, I think I still consider myself in the camp that you know, into next season and into the future. You know, I really do see Dubois, assuming that he's here long-term, playing with Kyle Connor and Nikolai Ehlers as a really stacked top line. Um, but then again, I mean, Ehlers and Shifley together, regardless of whether it's Stastny or Wheeler, you know, have had some real moments and you know that it is there and just like to see it maybe a little bit more consistently. Hey, moving down the forward lineup, I mean, we haven't really had a chance to talk too much about the new guys, the returning Mason Appleton and Zach Sanford. And you know, it was sort of funny. I mean, Appleton comes back here having played every game last season, stapled to Adam Lowry. And as soon as he gets here, Adam Lowry's on the list and isn't playing. But uh, what have you seen from those two? And once they were with Lowry, how did you like that third line on the weekend? Well, I think they've been as advertised. Mason Appleton is a familiar player to, to Jets fans and Jets observers. And he just, while not being a dominant top six player, I think that, you know, 
when Kevin Shalladay referred to him as middle six, I mean, certainly he was playing on the second line briefly in Seattle. I still see him as a very good third line right wing, I think, is, is his spot in that depth chart. But he does things that other Jets don't necessarily do. He, he's more consistently a straight line player. He's more consistently a drive the net player. Uh, there are just certain aspects to his skill set in that third line role that have not traditionally been recreated since Blake Wheeler's prime, let's say, or Pierre-Luc Dubois when he gets on his horse. So to have a little bit more of that note, I think has been a nice a nice look on that third line. Adam Lowry can't be the only physical player in Winnipeg's forward lineup, or Pierre-Luc Dubois as well, um, r- racking up the, the hit totals. And then Sanford as well. I, I, I don't see a tremendously dynamic player, but certainly he's... He's fitting the role of being big, skating well enough to play with those guys. And I think Dave Lowry likes the the idea that all three of them are relatively heavy players in a tough minutes matchup sort of a situation. Um, I've, you know, I was talking to Jeremy Rutherford in St. Louis and I was talking to Ian Mendez in Ottawa. And I think that Sanford has impressed in both of those markets while also eventually sort of losing a sense of chemistry and not quite fitting into a particular line or a setup in that sort of regard. So I think I'm going to try to keep patient with my analysis of what Sanford can bring to the Jets um, just because just because he's big and strong and fast which is a great set of a starting kit for that third line job um, I'm going to wait I think to, to see really what I think I guess of that chemistry as it develops now, you know what it's a good segue into your latest piece at the athletic but just before we do that I quickly want to ask you as it pertains to this game tonight and tomorrow against the Leafs um, we're going to see Connor Hellebuck tonight you think it's going to be Connor Hellebuck through these next three games, or does Eric Comrie get a start? I would think that Eric Comrie gets a start. Um, again, I, this reminds me of last week when we talked, and the idea was that at that time Winnipeg was playing so poorly, I, could, I couldn't think of any game as the give-me game. And, um, you know, Toronto, obviously a dangerous opponent. I mean, they generate offense in so many different ways. So we know Connor Hellebuck gets a start today. We would think that there's a reason to go with your number one guy against Toronto because of how good and how dynamic of a team that they are. Uh, at this stage, I've liked what I've seen from Eric Comrie. I've liked what I've seen from Eric, sorry, uh, from Connor Hellebuck when rested. So I lean that, you know, a split is okay and it's okay to give Comrie a tough, tough night against the Toronto Maple Leafs. But at the same time, I mean, they're not going to have a morning skate tomorrow. Odds are that tends to be how they run things on a back to back. Maybe if they can get out of Buffalo and not feel uh, too overworked, it's just a three-hour drive, uh, you know, all of those sorts of things, maybe it feels enough like a home situation where they gamble again on Connor Hellebuck. I, again, lean the other way. Murata Tesh is with us uh, from The Athletic here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. And in The Athletic this week, a new piece on uh, the Jets' depth chart looking ahead and you know we sort of talked quite a bit about the beginning of the piece and that was the return of Billy Hanel and how he played in but uh, give us a little idea about what you were thinking what the challenge was going into this piece Murat um, kind of looking ahead into the future as to how this team might change yeah the Winnipeg Jets have you know made some changes we talked about Mason Alvelton, Zach Sanford, Paul Stastny still a Jet um, you know they traded Nathan Bowley they traded Andrew Kopp where does that leave them? What is the building block or what is the foundation, let's say, heading into next season and beyond? Because the salary cap is projected to go up by a, a million to 82.5 million. Um, th- we know that the Jets' biggest contract concern is Pierre-Luc Dubois. So I wanted to reflect on that. And we know Kevin Chevaldeoff has at least checked in with Pat Brisson, uh, which is Pierre-Luc Dubois' agent over the course of the year. They're going to have a sense of 
of their goals. They're going to have a sense of how things look. Dubois is a restricted free agent this summer, two years away from unrestricted free agency. So they're either looking at a one-year contract, which would not be new, like great news for Jets fans, who I think want to see Pierre-Luc Dubois here long-term, or something at longer than two years. Two years walks him to free agency. So we're looking at one or multiple, multiple years. And I think that it's time to start pricing out what that looks like and, and f- figuring out with a proper contract in place for Pierre-Luc Dubois, knowing the incentives for the Jets and the incentives for Dubois as a player, um, thinking long-term, well, then how can you build around him? What's Cole Perfetti's role going to be? We know the defense is more or less locked unless there's a major move. How does Mark Scheifele fit into that? Can Paul Stastny come back? Um, And where, where will the Jets have room to add, especially because now without Brian Little, they're going to be able to stay under the salary cap and build up a little bit of it. So, Um, as the year goes on they're in a unique situation with one very distinct quote-unquote problem which is finding the right price point for Pierre-Luc Dubois and then figuring out how to build around so there are lots of tough decisions but the single biggest rock is is known in terms of what they have to deal with and so I wanted to explore that that's all in there yeah and you know what and barring any sort of major shakeup with the core which I think we'd all agree is certainly possible going into the off season depending on what happens through this uh you know final extended stretch of the season um something that we've talked a lot about that I think is far less certain than the guys up front in that top six is what's happening in the bottom six and you know we'll see what happens with Zach Sanford if he fits in if there's a spot for him long term going forward Um, You know, you do have, and I'll say this, part of the reasons why I love the Appleton trade so much, Murat, is basically in the context of, you know, a big raise to Pierre-Luc Dubois and some of these other cap challenges. Mason Appleton's coming in here as an RFA, making less than a million dollars. I don't think it's going to have, you know, the numbers that would get him a massive raise. Um, And I think they do have a guy they know they can count on and trust in that third line role playing alongside Adam Lowry that could come in at a pretty affordable hit, assuming they get something done in the summer. 100% 100% agreed. That's an important contract at an important position. You know, we've talked about cap efficiency. I write about contract efficiency a lot. And if you're going to pay Pierre-Luc Dubois what he's worth, if you're going to have big ticket contracts to Kyle Connor, who's definitely covering the bet on that, or Mark Tripley at six plus, Nick Ehlers at six, Blake Wheeler making what he does, if you're going to get a lot of quality onto the roster and pay a lot of money for it, well, you're going to have to have cap efficient contracts as well. Mason Appleton definitely sets up to be one next season. Uh, Evgeny Sveshnikov has been one this year. Cole Perfetti presumably will be one next year. Um, you might look at David Gustafson to, to fill that as well. And these guys aren't um, necessarily, you know, Connor McDavid on entry level contract, or even once upon a time when the Jets had all of Ehlers, Connor, Line A, et cetera, on entry level contracts, but they are cap efficient. And if Mason Appleton's making roughly 1 mil or 1.2 or what have you and producing a reasonable amount 30 to 40 points of offense on that in a third line sort of capacity bringing a unique skill set killing penalties well that lets the Jets give Pierre-Luc Dubois a proper contract and have room for whether it's a Paul Stastny return some you know some believe that that's going to happen I'm a little bit more skeptical we'll see or just allowing the Jets to use that space to build and to add and you know ostensibly the whole point isn't to to squeak into the playoffs in these next couple of years as it looks like the goal is right now based on how things have gone it's to build something approaching a contender a team that can you know be counted on to win around and then who knows what happens because it's the 
Stanley Cup playoffs. And I think the Jets have building to do to get their cap efficient contracts like Mason Appleton. Great step in that direction. Well, and you know what? And this just sort of circles back to uh, the trade deadline last week. Um, but another guy, I went to the Moose game last night. I was really interested to see, you know, what Morgan Barron would look like in his first game with the, with the Manitoba Moose on home ice. And I'll be honest, I mean, let's face it, this was one game, a, a very small sample size. But I got to tell you, dude, I mean, there's, there is some tantalizing potential with this player. I mean, he's big. He's 6'4". He skates very well, took the puck hard to the net. I mean, if Dave Lowry was watching the highlight of his goal to tie the game up with four minutes left in the game, he would have had a big, big smile on his face and really did stand out against AHL competition last night. And, um, you know, I know that, you know, when the trade was made, a lot of people were focusing on the picks and what came back. But I think that prospect, especially, you know, with as we're talking about, you know, the cap expenditures at other areas, especially, I mean, until they move one of the defensemen and potentially, you know, change that player for someone in the forwards, I mean, there is a real opportunity, far more than on the blue line, on that fourth line, and maybe even potentially on that third line at times. And I'll tell you what, um, early results were quite good for Morgan Barron. We'll be looking forward to seeing what he can do in the rest of this Moose season and how he might fit into the mix come training camp next year, along with a guy like David Gustafson. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that they're almost similar in terms of their their skill sets or their ability to to really excel at the AHL level. With Barron, the first thing that happened after that trade was my inbox exploded with messages from our writers in New York, um, from some analytics uh, contacts that I have out of New York area as well. And every single person said, you know, it is astonishing to me that Morgan Barron hasn't caught on more with Gerard Gallant's Rangers at the NHL level because what he does for the Hartford Wolfpack of the AHL is dominate, and he plays an NHL type of game. So I'm not sure that, you know, in the long run, he has a top six potential. I don't think that's what, you know, is the is the expectation given the fact he's, he's not 18. I think he's 23 years old at this stage of uh, his career. Um, don't quote me on that. But he's... At that AHL level where he's a, a dominant impact player, it's great to see that he hasn't really missed a beat upon joining the Manitoba Moose. And he is the prototypical guy that you imagine stepping into that bottom six role and actually having success, not a placeholder, not the sort of guy that gives Adam Lowry headaches on his wing, not the sort of guy that you know is so inexperienced that a veteran like Adam Lowry doesn't necessarily have the ability to control the flow of play. Winnipeg in Barron has an opportunity at a quality good for his spot in the depth chart batting order um, player in Morgan Barron, just like they do with David Gustafson as well. And if you start filling out that bottom six with guys who can be effective in both ends of the rink, playing hard to being hard to play against in all three zones, which is what you're really looking for, not just defense first or defense only. Well, then that's some cap efficiency. That's a little bit of keeping the puck in the right end of the ice for other guys. Um, that's the sort of quality team that, uh, that you can really build around. Marat Atesh of The Athletic with us. Uh, Marat, great stuff as always. Uh, I know we'll be paying attention to these games coming up uh, you know, tonight and tomorrow before the team comes back to take on the Kings on Saturday. Um, folks should go to The Athletic right now and read that article already if they haven't uh, already. Um, what else do you have cooking uh, heading into the weekend uh, over at the site? Well, I've got a couple of features with player involvement that are... I sh shouldn't have mentioned because I don't know how to hype them up and I can't talk about them until I deliver them. But I've got some really personal, emotional, real life human stuff that is 
Uh, I, I really think at the heart of, of what some of these guys are. And, you know, you know me, I, I think I write and talk a lot about analytics, but I also write the personal stories. Jonathan Kovacevic was a really nice one earlier this year. Um, that stuff really, you know, speaks to me. It's a big part of my why, why I do this. And, and I have a couple that I'm inching along, inching along that, that I just, I really can't wait to get out there into the world. Well, looking forward to that. And your guy, Johnny looked damn good last night on the Moose blue line as well. It was a real fun night. I'm looking forward to seeing what that team can do in the playoffs, regardless of what happens with the big club. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if a number of those young men, uh, might be sniffing around for jobs come next fall here in Winnipeg. Marat, as always, thanks so much for doing this. Uh, looking forward to those pieces when they drop and, uh, looking forward to talking to you next week on the show. Right on. Thanks a lot, Us. Thanks so much. There it is. Marat Atesh of The Athletic. Uh, great Jet stuff. Thanks to Marat and thanks to Trevor Kidd. Awesome to have those two guys back to back on the program. Big one tonight. And of course, we'll break it all down tomorrow. We're going to step away from Jets talk coming up. I want Masters next week. Tiger was at Augusta. You know who we got to get. We got to get Feinberg on. Before we do that, uh, a cheers to our friends over at Little Brown Jug. Little Brown Jug also nominated, along with WST in the Winnipeg Nightlife and Lifestyle Awards, folks. Head on over to WNLA.ca. Do us a favor. Throw us a vote for the top radio station slash podcast. And while you're there, give our friends at Little Brown Jug a vote for your favorite local beer. Of course, the 1919 the flagship brand at Little Brown Jug, available at fine bars and restaurants throughout the city. And all seven Little Brown Jug beers are available for you to taste, buy, and take home at the brewery and tap, round, tap room down on William Avenue. And listen, if you're staying at home, you've got COVID like half the city, but you need some cold beers, they deliver citywide. Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays, you can hit them up online at littlebrownjug.ca. Uh, man, I'm really excited about the summer. Of course, we've been doing the Princess Auto curling reports throughout the winter. Open to uh, focus in on the Bombers. Of course, as Princess Auto is a huge sponsor of the Bombers. And baseball season's just around the corner. Texting with my pal Andrew Collier, GM of the Gold Eyes. Wow, do they have some awesome things coming up for the season. But we'll look forward to getting into that as well with our friends at Princess Auto. Of course, Princess Auto is where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Of course, they're not, they're coast to coast, but headquartered and family owned right here in Winnipeg. Two local locations. And you can also get those uh, wheels turning for your next project 24-7, 365 by shopping online at Princess Auto. Dot com, And listen, with the Moose playing all these games this week, with the Jets back at home on Saturday, you know our friends at the Boston Pizza by the rink at City Place are ready for you both before and after all of the games. And if you're heading out tonight or tomorrow with some pals to watch the game, nowhere better to do it than BP and your local Boston Pizza Lounge with the big sound, the big screen, and of course, pick a player promos at many local locations. And if you're staying at home, check out their game day deals and order online at Boston pizza.com all right it's been a minute since we've had our good friend jeff feinberg back on the program but he joins us now with a lot to talk about a crazy nfl offseason but of course we are already sniffing the azaleas at the masters just around the corner and our guy tiger woods was there yesterday let's bring in jeff feinberg to uh chop it up gee what's up how are you feeling how's the wheel oh the wheels coming around huss uh Got about 30% flex in the uh, hinge brace right now. So 
We're making progress. Every day's a little bit of progress, Huss. Much like Tiger. Uh, will will you be? Uh, when will you be able to uh, go out and attack a course for a full eighteen? Oh, geez. Um, I'm lucky. I'm not really a snob. Like I don't like playing. If I need to wear like special gloves and a toque, I'm not playing yet. So I, I'll miss that part of the season. But I wouldn't have played anyway. And I should get the majority of my season and. I'll be like one of those seniors. I'll have that blue flag handicap cart. I'll be able to take that cart anywhere I need to this summer. How about the greens? <laughs> no doubt of that. Yeah, don't pull a Trump and drive right out on right to the hole. By the way, how about Trump's hole in one? And how about like, I got to say, I, listen, I, we're not political at all, but his his statement announcing his hole in one was one of the greatest press releases I've ever seen. I mean, I I could not stop laughing at it. Yeah, I mean, apparently it was with a five iron husk, like a hole in one with a five iron. <laughs> hey, he's like seventy five or eighty. No, I get it, and he's probably playing back, trying to show that, or you know, Big Ernie, Ernie Els was in the group, and Kenny Duke that he still got it. But yeah, that's either like the. Yeah, no, I'm not taking anything away from a from a hole in one. It's kind of even more impressive with a five iron, to be perfectly honest. Paired up with Ernie L's going up against three dudes in a two on three uh, handicap match, uh, just re- you know, kind of along the lines of the WrestleMania hype going into this weekend. Uh, but let's talk Tiger right now. Um, how optimistic are you, and what are you hearing? We knew the big cat was at Augusta yesterday. He is not pulled out of the tournament, and I think the closer it gets to the event that he's in, my hopes are coming up. I mean, what are you hearing, and uh, do you expect Eldrick to be uh, out there on Thursday when they tee it up? I mean, we're hearing, we're seeing a lot of the same stuff. I assure you I got no inside lines into Tiger, but at this point I'm quite confident he's going to play. Um, assuming he can't do like make the knee worse and it would only be a pain threshold or a tolerance. I believe he's going to play at this point, hustler. That would be my inclination at the, at this moment. Does he play if he doesn't believe he can win? Yeah. Okay. So it will be about getting back out there and just competing. He's brought Charlie along. You think Charlie comes along on a, a for for his prep, master's prep uh, if he's you know like truly truly preparing to try to win the tournament? Probably not. I think he's sort of accepted certain things, and if anything, Tiger likes to surprise us. And as I want to say, it was Rory McIlroy who might have said it this week because he's in front of some media out in San Antonio. Tiger likes to surprise himself sometimes. So I think this is just all all part of it. Uh, the walk is treacherous. But again, if it's just about his pain tolerance and he can't do any reoccurring damage or maybe take two, three steps backwards in a rehab process, I'm I'm quite confident he's going to play. But my opinion should count for nothing because I am floored Phil Mickelson's not playing. Lord Hustler, something's got to be up here. His happiest place on earth, a place like Augusta, like we saw Tiger come back from his sex scandal there. They can protect you. They control the media. They well, control is Phil the welcome you. there? Is Phil welcome at Augusta this well, year? Why wouldn't he be? Like, 
Well, I, I have no idea. It's not affiliated officially with the PGA Tour. And they didn't say that he wasn't. So was he protecting them by not having to say you're not allowed? Again, I am shocked that to me, it, like Tiger making every effort to play, to these guys, it's their happiest place on earth. And it's an ideal place to go with controversy because the same rules don't apply there. They can truly protect you. Well, as best as they can, which is more than a lot of events could. So I'm confident Tiger's going to play, but I am I was confident Phil would play. The, the entire Phil story is just insane. I mean, last year, he was winning a major as the oldest man to ever do it. I don't think his popularity has ever been as high as really a golfing legend. Then you fast forward seven, eight months later on, and... The guy has become a pariah. He was the most marketable guy outside of Tiger Woods on the tour. His longtime sponsors were dropped. I mean, did the aftermath and the brushback of everything that came out surprise even you? I think so. I thought there was enough equity in the relationship, say, with Callaway, say, with KPMG, that, you know, even though it was a big screw-up, you kind of felt like he had the equity to get away with a screw up even of that magnitude so i am quite surprised even though what he said was horrible not to make light of it though hustler you see what's happening on tour can you blame phil mickelson can you blame a kevin not can you blame a jason kokrak they gotta compete with these kids scotty victor morikawa and that's just the tip of the iceberg we know how much deeper that iceberg is as well. So I'm not shocked to find out there are a lot of players looking for a quick cash grab because they're the ones that got to see these kids in the locker room with the spice and vinegar for life that those guys have at the very moment. So, uh, but yeah, the whole thing is, is still quite, quite shocking. All that talk about Phil trying to get Romo money to do TV, like, Everything seems gone. Like no, it, it, it is. It, it's stunning. And, um, you know, I'm very interested to see when we'll get Phil back on the course. That being said, the focus will be on Tiger Woods. And, you know, th having Tiger in the field, you mentioned some of those younger players, guys that would maybe have a little bit more pressure on them. I mean, the amount of oxygen that just the presence of Tiger, um, you know, takes up when he's at an event like the Masters in some ways, and I think you were tweeting about this, could actually be a real benefit to some of the real contenders for a green jacket. If I'm Scotty Scheffler, like I'm going to have to do more media than I've ever done in my life. You know, now I got to go win a major, you know, at 16 or 14 to one. Uh, if I'm John Rahm, if I'm Rory McIlroy, having to answer my Grand Slam questions, if I'm Jordan Spieth, Hideki Matsuyama, defending champion. Every sort of player that would take some of the oxygen next week in the lead up to the tournament, I think would love for Tiger to be playing. Let him have all the oxygen. He's earned it. He deserves it. He can have it. And I'd argue it's beneficial to every single elite player in the field. Jeff Feinberg's with us, getting ready for Masters next week. Of course, one more tournament, Valero, Texas, open this week. You mentioned Scotty Scheffler. And listen, I came in to Monday's show walking around like Vince McMahon. I had had so many near misses. I think I've cornered the market. I was essentially like Louis Oosthuizen with my number of second places with outright winners. 
and I came in Scotty at 20 to one along with Jeff. You'll be impressed. This how's this for a double Ricky Wysocki at the Texas disc golf open championship for one, one heck of a double on the weekend. But listen, Scotty Scheffler, I remember saying to my buddies at the Ryder cup, I was so impressed by how nails he was in that event. I said, I'm betting this guy at the Dell match play next year. And uh, lo and behold, he wins it. He's been winning everything right now. I mean, has anyone ever made a quicker run to number one from not having won a tournament than Scotty Scheffler has? I mean, what a story he is. Yeah, it is quite remarkable. And it also speaks volumes, Hustler, to just how good he was before he actually won in Phoenix this year. The consistent run of, you know, top 10 or top 20 in pretty much every single big events, the majors, the players, World Golf Championships. Uh, I'm, I'm sure there are not some nice 40 to 1 futures out there, but there were never enormous numbers because the books, like he was always being protected against, you know, top five bets and all that sort of thing in, in the big events. The only thing that can kind of come to mind that, that I sort of read a couple things about, but it, it wasn't really after the first win, but just the run in season to number one, very similar to David Duvall's, and maybe there is a major championship around the corner uh, this year for Scotty. Ironically, if I had to rank the majors, the Masters might be my third or fourth pick because I feel like U.S. Opens and PGA Championships just work so perfect for Scotty, but he's kind of also shown in the last year there's not a course type that he doesn't fit on, so... I don't know. It's his world, and we're kind of just living in it as golf fans right now. You know, it's funny. I saw a back and forth with you with somebody on social media about Scheffler and, you know, looking at him at some of the majors. And it was interesting to hear that he said that his favorite course is Southern Hills in Oklahoma. And uh, listen, I know there's been a lot of work done on it, and he said he hasn't played since it's changed. I actually, it's the, the first tournament I ever went to was that 07 PGA Championship at Southern Hills. Duffner. I mean, it, 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 yeah, I mean, a really, really cool, cool course um, in a neat part of the world. But I do wonder, like, I'm still looking at 25s up for a guy like that, number one in the world for an event. I mean, regardless of the changes of the courses, is that something we should maybe be thinking about getting on right now before it craters? I know. It's so finicky. Um, I don't want to say, like, no, you shouldn't. Like, I'm not going to besmirch any Scotty Scheffler bet. It's a course that he loves. It's a course that they've changed a little. Uh, it's a course that he says he hasn't played it since they've changed. I will also say, Haas, I've pretty much heard every single Big 12 golfer absolutely loves this golf course. So every Texas Longhorn, all those Oklahoma State guys from Victor, to the whole whale of them, they love this, this Southern this Southern Hills. And my only concern with betting anybody with preconceived notions is I imagine the course plays harder or difficult than anything. Like the setup would be different than the course that they love. So I I'm not reading too much into any of that. It's a PGA championship though. So I imagine it'll, it'll suit players who hit it long and straight. And Scotty Scheffler is kind of at the top of the list right now. I mean, I just look at this list and I mean, you know, just for the PGA right now, you've got Xander, Cantley, DJ, Kepka, Rory, Victor, JT, Morikawa, and Rom all with shorter numbers than the number one player in the world. I mean, kind of hard not to think that there's value on Scotty Scheffler tickets right now if he's not near the top of the board. Yeah, I, I can't dispute any of that. The PGA is also not at the very end of the year. 
it's the second major of the year. And I would argue I'd rather bet Scotty Scheffler at 25 to one at Southern Hills than the number he's going to be next week at the Masters. Um, as far as the uh, group, what are you looking for this week in uh, in Valero? And, 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 you know, it's interesting, a guy like Rory skipped the match play to play in this event. Um, and then you have guys like Corey Connors, who had his biggest win there in 2019. He's a former champion. He's in it. Um, I don't mind Abe answer. I thought he really liked his form on the weekend. But in particular, Rory, there was a few players that didn't play in the match play that are here right now. Is that just basically a decision made on what gives them the best chance to perform at a high level next week in Augusta? Yeah, I think everything for a player like Rory and some players sort of that you would consider with his equal goals. You can't argue the fact, and a lot of top players have bemoaned this hustler. The players into match play is a very awkward masters leading. You know, it's not exactly how you might want to spend your two competitive events before what to you might be the biggest event of the year. For Rory, it certainly is because it completes the Grand Slam in his case. And, uh, you know, and I'm sure for many other players, Sawgrass, the players is its own sort of animal, unlike any other course you play. And match play is its own format. Rory also was complaining that he wished it was the knockout format because that would allow, if you had a bad week, you're just home. Like you get in, you get out early. It's almost the reason they changed it was because players didn't want to get in and out so quickly. Like, no, if I had a bad week, just send me home quickly. But I think Rory, um, I have met Rory this week with a double to win the Masters Hustler, about 135 to one. I parlayed Rory to win Valero um, and to win the Masters. I'm not really going to miss missing out on an 8-1 to winner this week, but I would really like the fun of having Rory at such a big number um, next week. That being said, I'm not very bullish on on him, or, or I should say the very top of the board bringing home the tournament this week. I am looking, though, at guys who do fit Rory's game type and the fact that Rory's played here once and finished second should tell you all you need to know. I've bitten the bullet on Bryson Huss. I'm not as worried about the injury as people think. I don't care. He didn't win a match last week. This is a course you can absolutely just bomb and gouge. I've bet Bryson. I've bet Tony Finau. I have bet Gary Woodland. I have bet Patton Kazire. And I bet a couple young Europeans at big numbers Rasmus Hogard 100 to 1 and Robert McIntyre 100 to 1. So those are the outright bets that I have made um this week at Valero and it's going to be a lot of birdies. Look. Like I think we're going to clear 20 under par this week and you better be ready to make them in bunches and this course allows it. Well, you know what? You mentioned the two guys that I wanted to ask you about. Our guy Tony, we were longtime members of team Tony. Yeah. Hasn't been a great season so far, him. And then, I mean, just what do we know about Bryson DeChambeau? Because I'll tell you what, Bryson at a number like 27 to 1 is not something that we're used to seeing, at least in the last couple of years. Yeah, and it's a ceiling play. If it goes horribly wrong, you know, it's an outright bet, and I make a lot of losing bets regularly. So I just will throw it on the pile. But this field, this type of golf course, where it's not so penal off the tee at all, and it's almost conducive to how Bryson will just want to whip it out there and deal with whatever sort of lie comes with it. He has, you know, 
The stats show the putting was coming around last week at the match play. Uh, he didn't concede any matches. He didn't withdraw from anything. So there's enough for me to believe that he is um, healthy. So that's the chance that I'm willing to make. Tony Finau, I caught up. I saw 50 to 1 and Tony a Monday morning in this field. And I like just took it as a sign of disrespect. Like someone was disrespecting a friend of mine. And I just like made the bet on it, Hustler. And I was happy to see people um, who I think are very smart also tell me that they're betting Tony Finau and remind me that the season has been a struggle. But if you deep dive the statistics, it has not been as bad, especially going back into his last 24 rounds. He is not scoring like the statistics say that he should. Uh, so it's a ceiling play in a bad field. And his last match for Xander in the match play, it was a disappointing exit for Xander. I did bet on Xander, silly enough. Uh, but Finau mate just birdied him to death. It wasn't like Xander didn't fight. Like Finau just threw a cavalcade of birdies at him. And I'm hoping some of that magic can continue for Tony. Hey, um, we've got to talk football for a second before we're done. But uh, anyone already on the card? And, and I wanted to ask you this because I know a lot of people are excited to make some bets on the Masters. You've always made a great point and it's proven true over and over that, you know, often for these big events, your best bet is to actually wait till the week of the numbers are posted and seeing how things have changed. What are you already on right now? And what should we expect when we see the numbers listed on Monday and how might they change before it tees off on Thursday? Yeah. So Huss, when we used to chat back in the day, I maybe would have had like a full car and I'd be like, I got room for one or two bets next week. That's not the case. Now, a, it's like the future market. It only goes one way. It's one way traffic. Guys are struggling. They don't give us better numbers. They only crush the numbers of the guys that are playing well. So I really see no value um, in it. And I think there's so many books. Uh, cool bet is fantastic. And they respond to the competition in the marketplace. And I'm counting on them and everybody else with how this new landscape exists. I think competition in the marketplace is going to be our friends. So I am in no rush to decide which of the two or three elite players I'm going to want to bet that next week. That being said, I've been talking about it since Christmas. Adam Scott, 80 to 1. Um, I like how the around the green and putting have come around, but if there was one sort of veteran that I thought could maybe make a roar and it seemed like was rededicating himself to take on this young generation of player, uh, Adam Scott. So I'm really excited about how he has played. Uh, there's still some 60, 66s uh, out there, uh, but that is really the lone mat, like real masters bet that I have. And I'm looking forward to deciding which of the very, very good players I'm going to support next Well, week. I know you'll have a ton of Masters content, both with Pat and Tim and the guys over at the Mayo Media Network and more. We'll get to that before we go. Hey, you just mentioned the changing gambling landscape. When I told Remus that you were coming on, he's like, oh, how is he feeling about these bullshit new rules that DFS is banned in Ontario? What? As things open up, I have a hard time wrapping my head around how we're not going to be able, if you're on Ontario, you're not going to be able to set a DraftKings lineup for the Masters or whatever now. I mean, what's going on? Not not very happy, Huss. Um, <laughs> we immediately thought of I don't of know. You. It's going to like be like a ton of bricks on, on Monday. I feel like I'm going to be encountering a few problems, not just with DFS, with some of the warning messages I'm getting when I'm loading up my sports book. I, I'll just... 
these things that like I never had a problem taking part in my whole life, they become legal and all of a sudden like problems are created. <laughs> you understand what I'm talking I know about? Exactly what you're saying. Like, there's never been an issue with any of it. Access I never had a problem making a bet. Never had a problem having a guy show up at my door. Never. But now there's problems. Like, ah. What was the reasoning for the the like for FanDuel and DraftKings not being able to play DFS contests anymore now that gambling is legal? I I can't wrap my head around it. Honestly, not sure. They have to apply as like under gambling because according to Ontario, they're not games of chance. They are just like games of gambling. But I would just been complaining. Whatever you know, consultants or uh, what do you call lobbyists? They got to, you know, flip New York, just bring them over here and grease a Ford brother. Like how hard <laughs> could that be? Huh? Yeah, good question. Like, honestly, <laughs> like, you're, like how hard can it be to honestly fix the problem? You just <laughs> lube up a Ford brother. Like, uh, you know, I, but yeah, I've already had to make like, you know, buddies, like, just, I might need you to make like a handful of lineups for me next week. You know, some <laughs> guys that, out of out of province who aren't really into golf that'll hook me their single entries. I don't play a ton. Single entry, three entry max. Obviously, with a major, I love a good, you know, Millie Maker entry. And I got money to burn house. I haven't done anything. My wheel's been done for two months. You know, it's like everyone's been burning money on gas. I've been saving gas money, and I've been waiting to burn it on the masters. So I can't wait. <laughs> well, and it's all coming up next week. And, man, it's been fun having you back on the program. Before we go, we have to talk about our division. You obviously can see Jeff is the uh, card-carrying member, maybe the president of the Canadian chapter of the Chargers Nation. You all know who uh, my loyalties line in. But uh, I got to tell you, dude, and at least this is on paper, and everything can change, and it often does. This division that the Chiefs, the Chargers, the Raiders, and the Broncos are in next year is shaping up to be, I mean, maybe the best division on paper that we've ever seen. I mean, what's it been like for you watching everything that's happened in the AFC West over the course of this last month? Yeah, it's been, I mean, the league as a whole, the division as a whole. Um, I just try not to, like, buy into any of the hype. To me, there's... You know, we're lucky they added that extra wild card spot. You know, so if you really, if you take care of your own business, you should find your way in into the playoffs, Huss. I'm just confident in, in what the Chargers can do. I like to think that they'll just be ultra competitive. And I miss the feelings of like Sunday already and doing battle. And I want to see the schedule. I want to see the primetime games. It's going to be it's going to be wild. It's going to be wild. Who got, who improved more the Broncos or the Raiders? The Broncos, the Broncos. I mean, they got, they got a quarterback um, who could be really, really good. You know, we've seen a lot of things work with these veteran quarterbacks. Maybe one of them is just not going to work eventually. Um, you know, I think a lot of the things in Seattle, like everyone blamed Pete Carroll, like that, Metcalf and Lockett weren't getting the ball. Russell Wilson didn't get maybe enough fair of the blame, but all of them. I still fear the Chiefs, Huss. I still fear the Chiefs. I think that that I told you right away that Hill trade, they're gonna use that money. They're gonna deepen the team. They've got the draft picks. What would the Patriots have done? The Patriots would have traded Tyreek Hill instead of paying him like a light, like a QB light. They would have taken the draft picks, they would have used the salary. 
uh, you have Patrick Mahomes. So the game is like, we're going to be really good for eight, nine years. You got to brainstorm that. And this Hill trade was a necessary part of that, in my opinion. I think they did a great job. Yeah, I mean, it was stunning the way it happened, and it happened so quickly. It really did seem like it's out of the blue, but I'm sort of with you. You've helped me through this. I mean, I do have confidence in the way they drafted. You look at what they did last year at some real key positions, even in later rounds, um, and all that draft capital will certainly help them. It might be a short-term step back, but I think certainly if you look into the next four or five years, um, you know, and hopefully, from my perspective, will be something that helps them. How much better is this Chargers defense going to be this year? Because it's that was good. the one thing. I mean, we've talked last year. I mean, I thought Derwin James might be able to be the comeback player of the year, potentially the defensive player of the year. It always happens. There's been some significant injuries. But it was stunning to see the defense, especially with the defensive head coach, be the Achilles heel late in the season. How much work have they done on the offseason? And how much better should this defense be from your perspective? Yeah, so to be brief on that, Huss, Last year, they came in, they knew priority number one is Justin Herbert, solidifying him and protecting him. And they spent all the money on the offensive line, and you saw how productive Herbert, the offense, and the weapons could be. And they brought in a new scheme, and Staley, I guess, had to evaluate, okay, who can fit my scheme? I don't want to kick anyone out here, and who's trash? And it was worse than they could have imagined. Third down defense, total defense, everything was a disaster. What was this offseason been totally dedicated to? The com- you can't do everything in one offseason. Last year was that offense. This year was the defense. And Derwin James, to allow him to not have to do four things at once, is going to be incredible. Bosa and, and Khalil Mack, they have got a very good corner now that can maybe allow Der- Derwin the confidence to freelance. And J.C. Jackson can at least you in the scheme will match him up against, you know, the better receivers on the opposing teams. So a lot of things are happening here where I think um, you got to give, I guess, Staley a chance. I'm very pro Staley. I like the mindset. I like everything, Huss, but let's be perfectly honest. If we go two years and you don't like, and Justin Herbert doesn't say play a playoff game, you failed. I don't care how forward thinking you are. I don't care how like cool you are. You can, we cannot, like, it would be just totally unacceptable to waste two years of Justin Herbert. But I do like the coach, but that doesn't mean that he gets a free pass either. Well, we're getting into major season, and then it won't be too long before we're talking NFL training camps. And, of course, we've got the draft coming up next uh, next month as well. Got some exciting, actually, uh, programming notes on what we're doing for that, which we'll let you know in the coming days and months. Hey, before we go... Um, Folks, give them a follow on Twitter at gfeinberg17. Um, fill people in on where they can see all your content. I know Maxter's Week is always one of the biggest weeks for you, along with Pat and the boys and everything else you're doing. Yeah, so I'll be, you know, early Monday. We used to do the early, like, Masters Odd Show, Huss, but the board's going to completely flip. If we re- release something on Friday, it would be dead Monday morning. So first thing Monday morning, Pat and I, we're going to take a look at that Masters board. Uh my picks will be up at Odds Checker. I'll be live at uh, BetSports on Tuesday morning. So I'll be like all over the place Monday through Wednesday next week. And then you won't see me again because I'll just be watching golf. When uh, when do we find out who Tim is going to be uh, putting the hex on for, uh, for the uh, Masters? Oh, that's a great question. I imagine he's going to join us on... Um, on monday and i honestly don't know so i'm as curious as you <laughs> dude so much fun having you back on the program let's do this again soon appreciate it and i uh, hope you're feeling better 
All the best, Huss. Thanks as always. Good stuff. There's my guy, Jeff Feinberg. Uh, subscribe to the Mail Media Network on YouTube. Uh, you'll see all the uh, hilarious content that Jeff puts out, along with Pat Mayo and the notorious Tim Anderson. Uh, lots of fun. Highly recommended. Some of my favorite guys out there on the net. All right. Um, big game tonight. We will get to that in the cool bet lines in just a second. <clears throat> of course, our friends at Nick and Nicky DQ are over the moon with the success and the feedback on the six new stack burgers at your local Dairy Queen. Haven't had one, it's time to dig into one. And you can do it at any of the four Nick and Dicky DQs. Of course, the DQ in Niverville, as well as DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's in Winnipeg. And all three of the Winnipeg locations in Nick and Dicky DQ are now available on Skip the Dishes, Uber Eats, and DoorDash. So uh, if you're staying home for the game tonight, you want to try some of those burgers, maybe get a blizzard delivered. Nick and Nikki have you hooked up. And of course, cake's still very popular. Nothing better to uh, add to the party than a DQ ice cream cake. You can pick one up at any of the locations. But if you do want to get something custom made, just hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. Let them know what you want. They'll get it ready for you to go at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs. And uh, geez, April's just about here. And you know what that means? We've been telling you for the last couple of weeks, the official launch of the Canadian Club and Ginger Ale Ready to Drink RTD in the business uh, mixed cocktail. It's going to come in six packs. And starting next month, when you purchase Canadian Club at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts, you'll get a free can of CC and ginger to try out. I have a feeling it's going to be an incredibly popular cocktail coming up this summer. And uh, I have a feeling we might be able to pick up some of those at IG Field when the Bombers get going, because, of course, Canadian Club is the official sponsor of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Try it soon. Pop by to your local Manitoba Liquor Marts for Canadian Club and the new CCN Ginger. All right, let's get Michael Remus back in here. Man, this has been a fun show. I was so fired up to have Trevor on. Always love having Murat on. And it was a real murderer's row of guests today with... Uh, the always fun and popular Feinberg popping in just days before we get to the Masters in Augusta. Yeah, looking forward to next week. Will we see Tiger uh, there on the course? Pretty crazy to think about that, considering uh, <clears throat> considering where he was uh, after that car car accident. So yeah, it's been a great show. And I mean, I don't know if anyone in the chat noticed, but we do have a different looking show today with our it new... It looks uh, good, Reem. Our new graphics. So uh, I think it took like 15 minutes after the show started for someone to say, hey, the show looks different today. After I spent like hours agonizing over how big their video boxes are going to be and how many different like text fonts I tried for our names here at the bottom. But... uh yeah, so different looking show. I do appreciate uh, all, all feedback here. But yeah, this has been fun. And we are looking forward to the to the Jets game tonight against Buffalo. No Kyle Connor Hasn't really affected uh, the betting lines, uh, betting lines too much. And as far as the Jets playoff odds, you, we can do our daily playoff mm -hmm. odd update, Huss. I know I'm rambling here, but Dom has them. It's gone down uh, after the Stars win last night. 9% to make the playoffs. Mm. Uh, Money Puck had, had even less. So uh, Money Puck uh, is fake news. We've already discussed that. They, for some reason, have it out for the Jets. What about 538? Uh, I haven't checked 538. I'll get but... 538 up here. Yeah. yeah. 538 NHL playoff odds. This has been the one that's been the kindest to the Jets as of late. 
<clears throat> still has them at 10%. Double digits, people. Oh, really? So, okay, that's the one to go by. Money Puck, I agree. Money Puck is total fake news. Ugh, that's, <laughs> that, is, that is terrible. So hang on to those hopes. 10% tonight, and obviously got to get a win tonight against the Buffalo Sabres, and uh, hopefully for the Jet fans, uh, Jets and their fans, keep it rolling into Toronto tomorrow. We'll focus in on the Leafs game and, of course, break down tonight's matchup on tomorrow's program. Um, Brandon Wicky's going to pop by. We'll have much more to get to then. But as far as these lines go for tonight's game, the Jets are minus 154 favorites on the road and the Sabres. And I've been telling you, this happened. I, we've been hammering the Sabres as underdogs for about the last three weeks, and it has been very profitable. Hopefully that streak ends tonight and the Jets can get a dub. Um, Jets to win by two if you're feeling real confident, plus 155. As far as player goal numbers, Obviously, don't bet Kyle Connor uh, because he's not playing. And even the minus 139 will not score, will simply be refunded because he's not in the lineup. Uh, but we do have Nikolai Ehlers at plus 155, Mark Scheifele at plus 167, Pierre Luc Dubois at plus 171. And uh, Chris's guy that seemed to just be on fire as of late, Tage Thompson, the uh, highest, well, I guess some of the lowest odds to score a goal for the Buffalo Sabres is plus 180 other games tonight in the national hockey league the new york rangers with andrew cop leading the way are back at it back-to-back -back games they're in detroit to take on the red wings rangers a minus 147 favorite in the game the edmonton oilers are hosting the la kings before the kings head to winnipeg for saturday night's game oilers minus 192 kings plus 162 on the road we've got the san jose sharks at minus 156 Coyotes at plus 132. Vegas Golden Knights minus 164 favorites on the road against the Kraken, who just lit up the Kings 6-1 in their last game. I can play in some better hockey as of late. And then the final game of the night, the St. Louis Blues and the Vancouver Canucks going at it again. Uh, the Canucks, a very slight home favorite, minus 115, and the Blues at minus 103. Elsewhere, Let's get to the other big game tonight, and that is the final matchup for Canada playing to go to the World <laughs> Cup. They're already clinched, but a win tonight. And Ziff's going to join us to break down the World Cup draw, which is happening before the show on Friday. Cannot wait for that. Uh, but Canada, which is a plus 105 favorite to win in regulation, a draw is plus 225, Panama's plus 300. Um, from what I understand, Canada with a win could move into pod three for the World Cup draw as opposed to being in pod four, which could be beneficial. Obviously, though, there's a lot left up to the luck of the draw. So Canada, I'm on it. I think I got it at plus 110 earlier. It's plus 105 right now. There is something for Canada to play for tonight. They'll be looking for the win, and uh, hopefully we'll be talking about another win for Canada tomorrow. And then the World Cup draw is up on Friday. We'll be all over it here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Valero, Texas Open. We did talk some golf with Jeff earlier. Those odds are up right now. Do like Corey Connors, considering how great he played at the match play. Former winner of this event in 2019, 20 to 1. Not a bad number if you want to get in on that. Of course, it's all over at our friends at CoolBet.com. If you haven't played there before, use the promo code WST for a 100% uh, bonus up to 200 bucks on your first deposit. So, uh, Remo, Canada soccer tonight, Jets and Buffalo, be a good night to uh, operate a couple tubes at the same time. 
Oh yeah, double TV night. There you go. I got uh, the TV. I got the app. A uh, lot of games on too. I was surprised for a Wednesday um, how many NHL games are, and I got to get my um, my fantasy daily fantasy lineup uh, going forward. So I'll figure something out. And hey, speaking of that, we did touch the... on this with we touched on it with Feinberg, and of course he had that hilarious line about lubing up one of the Ford brothers to uh, yeah. try and make things happen. DFS, I should have mentioned this daily fantasy sports. Well, like a DraftKings lineup where you're just making your lineup for the one night and playing against other people. That has been an underreported story. I'm not sure if people realize how big the daily fantasy industry is in Canada, never mind mm -hmm. elsewhere. And for the biggest province in the country to have that off the board, it's uh, it's sort of like one step forward and one step back. I and mean, we were all happy that, you know, kind of common sense prevailed and it'll be easier for Canadians to go bet on their favorite teams if they want. I still can't believe, though, that uh, we're not going to be able to do a Masters lineup or a Saturday night lineup on DraftKings if you live in Ontario now. Yeah, thankfully we're in Winnipeg and we don't have to deal with that, but I am worried about what would happen um, What would happen here if they did uh, cancel uh, daily fantasy. Uh, I prefer that to straight up, uh, straight up gambling on, on games. So. Um, I was saddened to hear that, especially because I play, you know, we play in a league with a lot of friends who live in Toronto, and now I can't play with them on DraftKings anymore, which really bothered me. I mean, people are going to play it. I forget the exact reason why it is banned, I guess. Um, I think they, Ontario wants to offer their own product, or I wasn't sure the rules, but either way, it seemed dumb to me. It and, doesn't make uh, any I sense. Was very, I was very saddened, and I hope... Someone goes and honks their horn somewhere, so try to protest this. <laughs> oh, now now Remus is fired up. The the convoy, the DFS convoy, heading to Ottawa to uh, get DraftKings back on the board. Uh, anyways, folks, been a great show tonight. By the way, I think I did mention this before when we were mentioning for a little brown jug. If you do have the opportunity to get over and give us a vote at WNLA.ca. Not sure how much time people can still vote, but uh, definitely your support is uh, very much appreciated as we've been the nominated as finalists for the top radio station and podcast. And we all know some of the infamous comments on this program about the status of radio right now. This would be amazing if we could pull this one off. So your support is appreciated. Tell a friend, WNLA.ca. <clears throat> You'll also see Little Brown Jug up there, Nick Ziff and Nicolinos, uh, and some other great spots, and some other great spots, frankly, to discover that we've got going on in Winnipeg. So uh, appreciate the support on that. Thanks so much to all of our sponsors. Looking forward to bringing on a couple great new partners on uh, Friday as we get into uh, April on the program. But a big thank you to Princess Auto, Cool Bet Canada, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Canadian Club, Not Auto Corp, Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, Little Brown Jug, Manitoba Battery, and of course our friends at Culligan Water, Vita Health Fresh Market, and F Apparel. Folks, early game for the Jets, 8 o'clock kickoff for Canada versus Panama. Check it all out. Enjoy the night, and we will see you tomorrow right here on Winnipeg Sports Daily, live at 1 on YouTube, and a little later on in the afternoon in your podcast feed. Enjoy the games, and thanks for being with us. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.